that that was I was like, you know what? This guy's on to something. And I think that there are principles that I can learn from whatever else it is and I can yeah. do better fighting stuff. And then I started seeing in between as I became more educated in different arts, I saw in between the arts and then I mean if you're not after beauty, why the hell are you drawing breath? Like it was just go, go, go after that and it's been go, go, go ever since. I'm just a painter. I do my crappy art, but I see what's in your eyes and I know what's in your heart. I have to go now, the cops are on the way, and I haven't got a license, but I've got a lot to say. Don't give up on your dreams, boy. Don't give up on your dreams now, boy. Don't give up on your dreams, boy. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Irish Risk Everything. That's a perfect introduction. I'm here with my friend Kevin Christie. Hi. Um... What episode of my podcast were you on? Uh, the one about home ownership. Do you remember the number? Uh, it was it was high up there. It was like seventy or eighty or something. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, uh, but we're at a show at the West Side Theater in Santa Monica. Neil Brennan and friends at West Side and Comedy. Barry, Roth- Barry Rothbard just sort of got in a fight with a guy who was heckling him. <laughs> he went outside and got in a physical altercation with a crowd member, we which is rare. Yeah rare thing that doesn't happen a lot no we were just talking about how all the comics usually say like oh yeah. you can beat me up sir yeah like I'm not gonna mess with you I think Barry went out there and was like hey dude fuck, fuck you <laughs> what if Barry Roth he's already funny but what if his comedy hit like a new high starting tomorrow like he became like a new I Louis I mean C. that's K. a pretty he's definitely gonna have a story wow his shirt was all torn up too yeah he got into it with a guy that guy wasn't small no well, which one was he on the, in, on the, at the bar I don't remember him so why do you say he's not small? Or you saw no, him? I saw him walking away. I wonder where he was, where he was sitting. I, I don't, don't remember him in any way. No one talked to me when I was on stage. I had no talking. They started with me. Yeah. Commenting. I, I, that's why it goes so fast. That's why you just rush through it so they I just can't rush, jump on you. I rush through all my words so there's no <laughs> gaps. Um, yeah, wow, that was cool. We heard yelling out there. Yeah, like real like, yelling. It's so, I never, when, you never think yelling is real anymore. <laughs> At a comedy show, you just assume all yelling is fake yelling. Yeah, but not this time. Nope. Real yelling. Fuck yeah, you never see fights at a comedy club. Nope. Last time I saw was Holtzman. Comedians are inherent, the reason they become comedians is because they don't enjoy fighting. Yeah. I saw Holtzman do this in the belly room, mm-hmm. where somebody just kept going like, Man, I'm old school. I'm old school from the audience. I'm yeah. a Latino guy who's trying to be black. Right. And um, and uh, Holton was like, so what am I? He goes, you're new school. You can't fight. You can't do anything. And he just kept taunting until he's like, the guy from the audience is like, yeah, prove it. Do something. And Holton goes, okay. And he just goes off the stage and goes and right at the guy. fighting him. <laughs> from the stage. That's very rare. It's very rare. Very rare. Um, which brings us to today's topic on my uh, podcast. Okay. Um, I interviewed my friend Greg Jackson. He's a fight coach. Wow. Maybe the best in the world. Really? Yeah. His, That's amazing. His, what? To be the best in the world or Just, something? To be good. So, it's, it's, it's so interesting to me to be good at fighting and how to, to explain it to someone. Oh, how yeah. to be very good at fighting. It's just, it, there's so many things involved in it. You got to know a lot about the body, got to know a yeah. lot about timing and speed and things. It's very complex. There's so much. Dude, it's crazy. He was telling me this time, this is what the podcast is about, but all about how you're supposed to rehydrate at certain specific moments after yes. you have to cut for weight. You have to, like, how many minutes in do you take how many sips of water, then Gatorade, then. Yeah, it's a lot. That's weird. It's, but, a, it's really a science. It's behind it? Yeah. Yeah. 
I always think about that stuff. Like people don't necessarily respect things like that as being as intelligent, but they clearly are. Oh, yeah. Like that no, dude knows more about fighting than I know about anything. Yeah. It's kind of like rappers. Like, oh, they're dumb. They're yeah. just making well, it's the like same thing with athletes. Thing. Like an offensive lineman knows as much about, you know, offenses and defenses as you and I know about anything. David Taylor always says that. Yeah. That he goes, um... It's just their intelligence is specifically focused. About that. Yeah. yeah. Right, so I wonder if I can pick up. But um, yeah. so this is what he talks to me about. It, he always, always talking to me. He's always asking me about comedy, like what I do in certain situations. He'll be like, what happens if it's not going well? Um, and it's early on or it's, it's starting to go and you hit it like a bump in the middle. What do, you, do you change course? Or do you just plow through? And I was, I'll tell him whatever it is. You know, I'll tell him different cases call for mm-hmm. And I'm always like, why do you care about this stuff? And he tries to take these things and apply them to fight science. I guess it's sort of in a weird way similar. And this is going to sound primitive because I know very little about fighting. But in the weird way, in, I guess in judo, you use the other person's energy and their weight and stuff. Uh-huh. Whereas I get, you know, if you're eating it, you need to like, you need to accept the crowd's energy and what they're doing. Oh, yeah. You need to use what they're doing to a certain degree. You need to acknowledge their feelings and their reactions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't. You if can't. You see ignore, them you can't yeah, you can't fight a guy in a manner that's not conducive to what's happening. Neither one of them exists in a vacuum. Yeah, it's like you're going against this specific opponent or this specific crowd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, it's real interesting. And so he's he's been looking at uh, all art forms uh-huh. and how they connect with each other. Right. How music will have tension. It's all very and similar. There's yeah. always there's always uh, overlaps and there's always similarities. Well, what have you seen? You're an artist. Yeah. I mean, a painter. It's like the real hype artist, right? Well, there's all kinds of real. I know, but that's what people think of when they think of artists. I guess sculptors, <laughs> paint. painters. Um, but are there st- is there stuff that you can see that are truths in comedy and drawing? I yeah, I mean it. It to me, like, I I always like and they're just idea execution. What do you so mean? it's about like if I have an idea, it's it's not necessarily always conducive to painting, or it's not necessarily conducive to a joke. So it's like it's about like finding the right medium or way to to execute that idea and i almost feel like you could in a weird way it's like if you wanted to break a guy's rib yeah there's probably a lot of different ways to you do it do that. all right so it's like which way is the most efficient way so i think it's mean, about like m- the most efficient way to execute a concept so when you say let's say you want to let's say what you want to do is show a dog on paper Right. Um, then you say I can either use charcoal or pencil or right. paint. Is that yeah. what you mean by different ways? Uh, yeah, or just like, or have like an illustrated type dog or a realistic. Well, like a lot, like so if I have to do dog. a portrait of someone, uh-huh. usually I'll look up lots of pictures, right? Yeah. And it's about like finding like okay, which one says them the best? Which one like shows which version of which version of an image of something conveys what I want to show of them the most efficiently? So you get it the quickest. Huh. Like, what's an image? The the thing with like, if especially specifically if you're doing like an illustration, you want people to get it quick. So what's the best? Get it in their mind. You mean? Yeah, you, you uh, want to you want them to understand it quickly. Mm-hmm. So what's the? How do I show the image in a way that they get it the quickest? There's not yeah. muddled. It's similar. That's what's similar to jokes. You don't want to muddle your punchline. You want the joke to come across quick and they quick get and clear. it. You know, brevity. You want it simple. And that to me is similar to art. It's the same thing as commercial acting. Yeah. Where they're like, it's quick. look, you if you're a time. nerd, we need to know as soon as you're on screen. Yeah, big glasses. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're wearing them now. Yeah, big <laughs> glasses. <laughs> we want a nerd. People are always like, how do you book so many commercials? I'm like, wristband, beard, glasses. Yeah, mustache. <laughs> yeah, whatever it is over the years. So it's about like finding efficient ways to execute 
what you're trying to do. Wow. Well, so that's what this podcast is about. That sounds interesting, interesting. as hell. It really was. It really was like a fascinating one. Yeah. Because he's thought so much about it. He's read these books that are like... The more you read a way about the the ways in which good people that are good at stuff do stuff, the more you notice that a lot of people are similar. The way architects mm-hmm. do things, the way athletes do things, a lot similar yeah, stuff. What's your work ethic? What's yeah. your, you know, what do you do to yeah. get your things done? Yeah. Yeah, man. Um, all right. Well, this is the introduction. Now I got to do a sponsor. Okay. You want to do Amazon? Okay. You ever shop on Amazon? Yeah. I buy books. Do you ever go through my website? Nope. Oh. We should go to my website. I didn't know you had a thing. Yeah, it's a thing on my website. Okay, yeah. Oreadthegreat.com. It's just an Amazon banner. Just click on it. Yeah, yeah. Just click on the thing and then then go to Amazon and do whatever you want. Yeah, because I buy books there sometimes. Really? Well, I can't find books ever. There's some books I want to find that I can't find. Bookstores don't have them, so I got to track them down. Bookstores going away. Well, yeah, but you know, obscure art books aren't necessarily easy to find, so you got to hunt them down. Oh, yeah. Um, Your book was in. It's not on Amazon, is it? No, not anymore. The Broken Wrist stuff? It was, not anymore. Wow. I'm going to buy that book. Um, I'm dying up here. Uh-huh. I just read it. Marin loaded yeah. it to me. Yeah. I gave it back. But he was like, it's so, he goes, I think anyone who works at the comedy store Oh, yeah, I read it in a day. Book. I was, I've never read a book so fast. Oh, yeah. It was Because you read him, you, when they're talking about Argus Hamilton, you're yeah, like, Argus I know him. And Mitzi, yeah, I can totally yeah. see this. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to buy a, I'm gonna buy a copy for the phone room. Okay. So keep it in here. Every one of you should read this. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Get a little history in your dumb brain. <laughs> yeah. Um, Phone idiot. <laughs> yeah. So please help me out and go to Amazon. Go through my website. Yeah, you're on Amazon. Amazon anyway. Just click on the thing. It couldn't be easier. Somebody said once that you should bookmark my website as Amazon. Oh, that's smart. So then when you hit it, you're like, oh, there it is. So yeah. just one extra click. Yeah, one extra click. Um, and that's it. And my dates. I should do dates. I'm going to be in Long Island, March 1st and 2nd. Okay. At Governor's. Okay. And... The Comedy Mix in Vancouver, March okay. 21st to 23rd. Cool, I'll be at all those. You'll be at all of them? I'm coming all the way. <laughs> I would love to have you over for me. I don't... I don't. Uh, you don't make enough quite yet? I don't make enough. I don't have the pull yet. I'm ready. I know. There's a bunch of people I want to take places, but it's always a fight. I have a PA now. Really? Yeah. Who? Kirsch. TJ. Oh, nice. Mark, Mark Walter. Walter? He's yeah. awesome. Yeah, that's what everyone says. He's awesome. I called someone. I was like, what do you think of this guy? They're like, he's awesome. He's, he, first of all, he's great at his job. That's what everyone says. But also, he's oh, he's such a cool dude. Yeah, he was a cool dude, man. Whenever like, I'm at a festival or something that he's at, the first one I think was um, Laughing Skull in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And it was like, oh, how do we find weed? Teacher's like, hey, smoke pot, come around the corner with me. Like, what? He's always, he's always, oh, we smoke pot that, together It's so rare many that places. there's a dude in stand-up that everyone's like, oh, yeah, that guy's off. Yeah. Like, usually, especially like, you know, an agent or something, someone's got a bad word. And I asked Al, I was like, what do you think of TJ? He's like, no one has a bad word to say about that. Dude. Nobody. It's great. And he's good. Greg's like that, too. He told Greg me, he's like, you would be lucky to have him as your agent. Mm-hmm. So I was very excited. I tried once with him like seven or eight years ago, mm-hmm. but I had nothing going on at all. Yeah, you hadn't started yet. And I wasn't good at all. <laughs> um, uh, anyway, so those are my dates, I think. Cool. I don't think I'll be anywhere else until April. April, I get a bunch, but go to AriTheGreat.com and, and see them all. Um, I'm going to Moon Tower in Austin. I don't know, other places. Um, all right, so here we go. Let's start. Bye. Um, Ari Shafir, Skeptic Tank. Thank you, Kevin Christie. Thank Kevin, you. what's your a, a website or something? Don't have one. At Kevin G. Christie. At, uh, at Kevin Twitter. G. Christie. You're a very good Twitter. Thank you. At Kevin G. G. Christie. At, on Twitter. One K for Kevin, one CH for Christie. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why I said it that way. Uh, all right, so here we go. Episode 104. Mm, I remember four. Maybe episode 104. Um, 
I'm calling this the, the, the art of war. Oh, that's good. Thanks. <laughs> I didn't make up the words, but I just thought of them to use them here. Yeah. So I did a lot of it. Uh, uh, the Art of War with Greg Jackson. Here we go. Here I got me a date with a pretty little girl from Greece. She promised she'd be there with me. Here. Oh, we're in. Okay, cool. Hi, Greg Jackson. Hello, Ari. I'll do the interviews, the, uh, inter- uh, what's it called, introductions later. Okay. I always feel like they make people not talk normally. Right, because then you're like in this different place where we can't just have a conversation. Yeah, I know. It's weird. Yeah. <laughs> it's weird. Yeah. Whenever I do interviews when they're like, repeat the question before you ever do right, those. all the time. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Then I'm like, all right, well, you're just going to get me sounding contrived. Right. I don't and know. I will do my canned answer. <laughs> It's the toughest fight we've ever had, et cetera, et cetera. How much do you hate doing interviews? I'm not a big interview guy. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just, I like to talk, like, and I love to talk about martial arts and arts and stuff. I'll interview all day, but I never, yeah. like, seek them out. I'm never like, will you interview me now? Oh, right. Yeah, I'm, I just, yeah. If you I wanted to be, like, the famous guy, I guess I would live my life a little different. Yeah. You know, like, I don't really like the limelight either. I don't mind going on stage in front of a bunch of people. But that's your craft. That's different. Yeah, but then afterwards... And they're like, can we take pictures? Can we see? And it's right. like, no, this isn't what I do. Right, yeah. I, yeah, for me, I don't mind because, like, it's cool to, like, uh, I'm a human being and I appreciate being appreciated, right? I'm, like, that's, I think that's normal if you're like, yeah. oh, I, you know, I, that was really cool what you did or something. I'm like, well, that's very sweet of you to say. Um, right. So I don't mind good. that part because, you know, I'm a human and, and I have, I have emotions. But um, the, uh, I think that if you are really all about, like, that's what defines you. Like, I'd rather have the respect of my friends than a bunch of strangers that I don't know. So mm-hmm. I guess that's where I'd, my delineation is. I read this book on introverts. I read half a book on introverts. <laughs> Still getting two. Uh, I'm not a great reader. Uh, but it says how um, they appreciate, like, like a deep conversation, but they cannot make small talk. Right. Right. It's just like you can you can you can appreciate the, your colleagues and their their adulation of you, but just right. you don't want to have to hear it constantly. But you want it to be out there, right? Yeah, I think that's yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm pretty outgoing. Like I like to get to know people in different walks of life and stuff. I don't think I'm an introvert, but certainly I try not to have that be like the you know those people that always need that. Like I need you need that. Like what? you can feel like when they're in the room, they need everybody's attention. Mm-hmm. They need. I, tr- I try not to be that guy as much as I can. Oh yeah. When I see that guy, then I shut down completely. Yeah. Any sort of outgoing part of I have myself, I'm like I can't. I can't do that. I'm out. <laughs> it's you can have the room. I'll be over here hanging out. Yeah, yeah I hear you. 100%. I see David Tell do that on Tough Crowd. Yeah. Do you remember Tough Crowd the show? Mm-mm. It was just four comics. It was like the first like panel show. They oh. Do. Um, but it was like legit top level comics doing it. Right. Uh, talking about the news. But they would all jump on each other and try to get their punchlines in. They wrote. And David Tell would just sit there and like lean back and just like, I'm not going to talk over anybody. He had right. to wait to be called on. That's legit. Actually, you can respect that out yeah. of all of it because he's outside of that structure. It's so cool. Yeah. When Colin Quinn was like, Dave, do you have anything to say about this? He'd be like, yeah, sure. And then he'd rattle off <laughs> like six top level jokes. That's so legit. Yeah. That's awesome. I admire that. Yeah. You know what I like talking to you about is, is the way you say you see similarities between um, 
stand or the different art forms, stand up, right. whatever, and right. fight technique. Right. Well, and I think that's kind of been my life's journey. Like for me, the UFC and and all the fights and stuff has, has basically been to try to find these ubiquitous principles in in art, not just in combat, but in like to me, that's a laboratory. The UFC is a laboratory where you can try new ideas, you can see new things, yeah. but so much of that is done in in all creative processes like we'd always talk about your your stand-up and you know timing and rhythm and and these these important kind of concepts that are that you anytime that you're in a creative process or that you are actually interacting with some kind of artistic endeavor it it really seems to me that the you always run into the same things the same ideas the same themes and so like Good codifying work. that is is really cool well i mean let's take the basis of combat which is timing and rhythm everything is timing and rhythm and from what you've told me as a comedian you know i'm as uneducated as as a man can be in comedy i'm not even nearly yeah. close you're to probably being probably a little more than that just you've asked a few questions well yeah but still you know what i mean like i'm aware of my place and it is yeah. like in kindergarten and that's fine i actually really like that because there's so much more to learn um mm-hmm. but uh like just talking about the rhythm of different audiences like how you when you talk to an audience and they laugh and then you kind of have to if it's a bigger place it has to reverb and kind of come back in and then you move on again understanding timing and rhythm in order to make make a successful piece of art or what you feel is a a successful piece of art is just like in combat where there are are certain times that you need to do certain things and certain rhythms that you and cadences that you need to keep in order to make sure that you are going to win and and Seeing just and that's like the tip of the iceberg, but you see that in, of course music obviously um, that they all they do yeah. is codify timing and rhythm. So like everywhere, yeah, where every musical instrument can pretty much they can all talk to each other, right? It's all about tension and release and like exactly. Yeah. And there, it's a real, especially like improvisational jazz and stuff where it's a real like give and take. And, and if they're really on, you can feel that you know the one giving it to the other, handing them off and and pushing or pulling depending on on the piece and the audience. And um, so that. That just being one element, um, and that's macro, right? That's big, and then you can get you know very, very, uh, very small with each each little part of that, kind of cutting it down. But I just love it to death, like just understanding and learning, and then trying to say, okay, as a fighter, if you're a combatant, be it in MMA or in self defense or in uh, uh, military. Um, how can I use that knowledge to help me, um, you know, give me the best odds of, of surviving or winning or whatever you want to say? Yeah. Uh, you told me once about, it was something about how you like try, try to like set rhythms and then break them. Right. So that's, yeah, that's, uh, and, and a lot of this stuff is really old, obviously. I, I know it's right. going to shock you, but people have thought of this before. Um, You've been fighting for more than 10 years. Right. I know. It's kind of <laughs> weird, right? Like, uh, and Musashi, uh, the guy that book of, uh, wrote the a Book of Five Rings, was really the first guy to, for me uh, to to be like, wow, you know, there there are these ubiquitous principles that and it doesn't matter if you've got a samurai sword or a rifle or it's hand-to-hand, but that that's there these things of like taking rhythm establishing rhythm because what you're doing there and what's cool about tying in other art forms there is let's take that broken rhythm thing yeah. what you're talking about is causality because human beings they they crave patterns what you want is a pattern um and in our whole lives i mean people want secu- the security of a pattern that's kind of how we're you fall into sort of normal routines right everything, exactly right? but almost i mean the only reason before we knew you know how the universe works so to speak the only reason you thought the sun was going to come up Today was because it came up yesterday and the day before and every day in your experience. Yeah. But it would freak you out if all of a sudden 
and again, before we knew how the universe worked, just as a metaphor, but if the sun was there and then it wasn't, like all, uh-huh. everybody would be like, what is going on? But you can, t- you can have that, that same kind of feeling or emotional response to if, uh, if a fighter is setting a pattern, if he's going, let's say, jab, really easy, jab, jab, and then it looks like he's going to throw a jab. Well, yeah. for the last three minutes, it's always been on the same pattern. Now, all of a sudden, the sun's gone. Like, you're like, whoa, you just went for the block. It wasn't there. And he waited for that block to go by, and then he hits you behind it. He went rhythm, rhythm, stop, rhythm. So you'll, the, the opponent would hopefully right, well, he, get up right, the block, he would, right. and, and then, then he'd be comes. like, and then he'd bring it back down, and then you would that's whack That's right? Right, exactly. But that's, so where, what does that tie into? Well, that's Hume. I mean, David Hume is causality. So you can take, not in this, like, kind of eastern to western philosophy shift but you can take a very real philosophical element of yeah. david hume saying this is causality and then you can say causality works in fighting so you're able to tie your art form to the art of kind of philosophy that art of of observing the world and when you can make those actual real connections not like be the receptacle of water not like this stuff that's so out there that you're like what are you talking about yeah, what, what do you mean observing the world well, that's what causality is, right? Okay. I mean, that's what philosophy is. You you uh, you look at the world and you say, "This is the way it seems th- yeah. you know, things seem to be." You can, you can set everything in the right, like you said, it patterns are like pa- right, right, right. But even you can just cool categorize about, everything. What's cool about causality? It's it's understanding the pattern of humans looking for patterns. Like it's that whole recursion oh, thing. Right. But uh, that taking that idea and then plugging it into fighting, seeing how that relates to. Um, if you're looking for a, a, an effective technique, it's there. Or if you're looking for like uh, you know musical stuff, people do the broken rhythm stuff all the time, where they yeah. set something and then all of a sudden, bang, it switches out and it, and it makes you pay attention. Cake is really good at that. That band Cake, right? Where they'll instead of they'll they'll have like add a but not add a bunch of words, but he'll like hold a long a long beat on one word and then throw in a bunch of syllables at the end instead that's, of like spacing them out normally. That's beautiful. Anything yeah. playing with structure like that, I just adore it. I can I can literally listen it's, or watch it all. Yeah. Day. It sort of shocks the senses a little bit. Right. Right? You're like this isn't this isn't the way it's supposed to be. Right. It's like an optical illusion almost or So exactly. So feeling that, that's what you feel it or you can make your opponent feel in combat and that's so cool. Like for me, that's the highest form. Like now that's strategy. Yeah. Um, like Musashi said, there's a way, and what he always called the way, and that's being a strategist. He says you can win without the way. You can just go out there and throw, you know, maybe one lucky punch or whatever, but you're still not winning with the way. And the highest form of strategy is to win with the way, with, with the- understanding these principles and then enacting them. Right. Which is so cool. Like, yeah. Yeah. When do you break those rhythms? Do you go early on, or do you try to go well, like later? That, that like? depends. You know, it depends on the fighter and, the, and and what you do. Sometimes there's people that their entire it's going to sound funny, but their entire rhythm is to have no rhythm. They're so herky-jerky and so awkward uh-huh. that you can never really get a sense of their rhythm, and that can be very frustrating. And there's fighters that set a very measured pace and then do something crazy and then a very measured pace. And so you can never get the hang of that either. And what you're doing is, is remaining unpredictable, right? You're, you're not giving – because once you have prediction, that's all we're looking for. Is That's why we want patterns. We just want prediction. We want to know what's going to happen in the next 30 seconds to us. Everybody does. Right. Um, and And – Eve was talking about Nate Diaz yesterday, uh-huh. and he was saying how he'll just box, he'll just keep boxing you, just keep never stop throwing punches. But then every once in a while, I'll hit you with like a hard body Slip shot. It in, yeah, like, damn it, I didn't know that was coming anymore. Right, right, right. Because he's he's doing a brilliant job of it, just going tat 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 tat. But it's still that broken rhythm. Yeah, and and 
so what's cool is then understanding, okay, I can do that stuff. What else does music have to offer me? What else can music teach me about fighting? Let's say just from rhythm and broken rhythm. Um, and the one I always bring up is hemiolas, which are notes basically in between notes. And so understanding that the inception of the attack is here. You can't really see it because it's a podcast, yeah, but you'll have to take right. my word for it that it's close. To, there's a fist close to my face. And then as you're – so that's kind of one note. And then the second note being when you make the contact, punch. when your punch comes out uh, – in between that time is a great time to interrupt that attack. And so trying to, to, to get your timing down, whereas the punch is coming and starting here, before the completion, you're able to hit them and, and kind of take that initiative and lead. Well, that, that concept is the exact same thing as sticking, okay, this note's going here, this note's going here. I'm going to stick something in between those, like you were talking about. I'm going to change the structure a little bit. And instead of, you know... The, the, it's going to be a long thing and then a bunch of little short things and, yeah. and, and just that the, the syncopation is so important just mix it up right yeah I do that sometimes with my, in stand up if I don't have if I have too long a story or something like that I, I would have to throw in like a one liner or something in the middle that's brilliant to that's, keep them like off off their guard otherwise they know what's coming sort of right right and how much do you feel of that in, in do you so when you're up there is that the creative process happening right then you have to get a feel for it like you said a lot of okay, it's a feel but, for it yeah right John Reap said this is a comedian he said um, he was doing my, I have a storyteller show and so people comics just tell stories and it's sort of longer form um, not as like punch 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 right but he was like oh you get up there and after like 35 seconds you haven't gotten a laugh and you don't you're like I gotta make a funny face or something like they're, <laughs> need, they're just feeling it there right. needs to be a laugh here right that's so brilliant yeah so either you throw a line in or do something but you gotta get you have to change the rhythm of what's yeah. happening that's so that's amazing and it's the same thing so I guess my question is is there an art form that doesn't have that is there is there things that timing and rhythm don't matter don't matter I don't know I know in baseball it's the same shit. You pitch right. inside three times and go outside. The only thing I can think of would be static art, but from what I've talked to artists, it's still there for that. So in other words, like painting or uh-huh. something like. But no, they say that a lot of that, even in even in the process of, of brushwork and stuff, is is rhythm and, and pace and understanding that stuff. So yeah, I don't I don't know. I'm not a very really? good drawer at all. But rhythm yeah, and pace. But just being able to kind of do your, you know, not not like uh, uh you know, uh, touching a little bit here and touching a little bit here, although that's a rhythm in itself. But, you know, having good brush stroke, good brush work, they talk about that a lot. And a lot of times now, when I go to art museums, I, I turn to the side of the picture so that you can see the reflection on the light and you can see yeah. brush strokes and stuff. And, really? Yeah, and you're kind of like, I, you know, again, I'm as uneducated. I never know what be. to look for there. I always go right. all close and look at the painting. I'm like, mm-hmm. Yeah, all right. Sounds it's cool. man's inhumanity to man for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I dated an artist once, and she was like, "I was like, what am I supposed to do at, at galleries? Right? Like, how am I supposed to behave? I don't. None of us know." I my thing is try to use art as a private language to exclude everybody else. So I just try to throw out big words that don't mean anything, really, as much as I can. Looking at art, yeah. It's like here's an article I read like six years ago. I'm going to quote, make you feel like an right, idiot. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You read yeah. It. You know, just just throw it out there. Try to see deep. No, usually for me, I don't try to say. I, I don't try to say. Wow, I'm doing good this morning. Um, I don't think you should say anything. I think you should, it's a very personal. Th- I mean, people can add stuff to what you're thinking, but yeah. for me, it's it's a very, like, that's a personal thing. I, I want to see what I feel about that. That's sort of what she said. She goes, appreciate it on whatever level right. you appreciate it right. on. That's what art is. I if you so. like a pretty bunny in there, then that's fine. Right. Because sometimes I think that you get prejudiced. A good art should talk to different people differently, I think, and you'll get kind of prejudicial if people are coming in. What he was trying to say here, sometimes oh, yeah. that really helps me out a lot. I'm like, oh, wow, I, I, didn't even, I wouldn't even thought that. 
And then sometimes I'm like, that's not what I got out of it at all. Yeah, but the, I, I, we did this in literature in, in, in college where there was a big discussion. It's a new, not new wave, or it's, it's um, new school versus, I forget what the other one is. Right. But it's, are you supposed to know about the author in order to um, yeah, understand the, the work right. of art? Right. And some people are like, no, you're not supposed to, you, the work is the work and that's it. And whatever you get out of it is what's in there. Right. And other people are like, no, 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 that's not what's in there. You're not supposed to get that out of it. Right. Right. Um, yeah, I sort of I sort of like the idea of the work just being the work. Yeah, well, I think there's a lot to that, and so many artists I think like that too. That they'll, they'll never tell you what it's about, uh-huh. like what they were feeling, because it's your relationship to that painting. I heard Hemingway. Used to, well, I studied him, but he used to do not Hemingway, Hitchcock, Alfred Hitchcock, and he would do these certain shots would repeat in all of his movies. Like if you were to go at an angle, like a top angle, looking down at something, then that was always the character about to go into some place where he he's gonna. Like he can't come out of right, brilliant. He's going to be somewhere where the cops are going to think he did it, and he's right. going to be on the run. This Man. moment, but Hitchcock was always like, "Oh, I don't really know what I'm doing. I guess it's just that's what I happen to do all the time." Yeah, you know? yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. That seems very cryptic to say the least, especially a genius like Hitchcock. Holy yeah, God. yeah, he must have known, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Fuck like, that. There's well, no yeah, shots he wasn't right. thinking about. Right. I was. Yeah. I'm perfect. Everything else is is on lock except for this one little thing. I don't think so. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking, they always do that. <laughs> they pretend like they're like, oh, really? It just came out of me, I guess. Yeah, but I think you that's, worked hard, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that's the that artistic uh, kind of cloaking of so that you enjoy it on whatever experience you uh-huh. have. Do you cool. see? Um, I see this similarity too. The way I saw Anderson fight, maybe Rich Franklin, and he started doing that duck under boxing stuff, right? And he just like, oh, I sort of started working on it in the gym, and I figured I'd I'd pull it out. I think that there is like, and again, I use jazz a lot. I think that there's just moments of inspiration where you just, you, you don't even realize you're going to do it. And some part of your brain, even subconsciously, just knows it's the right thing to do. And, yeah. And, and then you do it. And you might have worked on it a little bit, but now's the time. You know yeah. what I mean? And uh, just make correct decision making. And that's why I'm so into that artistic process, especially at the moment, is like, how, how do you, Ari, up there, how do you know it's the right time to do that thing? Your brain, obviously, yeah. it triggers it, but it's, it's like you it's don't know. You, right. It's even before you're conscious of it, you know. Yeah. And that, to me, is fascinating because now we're working with kind of what's hardwired into your brain through experience and, and genetics as well, of course. And but, you just sort of feel this, is, this should be right here. Right. It's like going with your gut because you're not, you don't have time to analytically say, this audience is da, 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 da. usually you're like okay I need to do this and it, and it happens mm-hmm. almost even before so that that creative process how that happens and why some people are good at it and others aren't because of all these layers of self-doubt and other stuff I guess that, that comes on top of of not having done it a million times yeah uh, but going with your gut like in the movies going with your gut it's always a cop saying I know he's right. guilty I gotta trust my gut right. and that just seems like you're just guessing you can't do that right. that. but really right. going with your gut is there's stuff that's deeper than your mind can think out. It's process that understands, somewhere. right, right, and which is cool and and I think very valid. Um, but sometimes going with your gut is very wrong. So yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that's what it is in stand up too. Where you're like, I think it's time for a new bit right here. I think I can throw this out or just a little riff or like this will be the right thing to say. And then sometimes you're like, man, that was that was not funny at all. I really thought that would go well there, <laughs> and I'm dying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I see new comics not trust themselves, uh-huh. and uh, and when they try something, it's really weird because you're like, oh, you could have gotten there, man. Right, you just had to believe you, it. Yeah, if you wanted to act out like your exasperated father, 
and you want to have like your hands go all the way up and like what the fuck right right but then they don't trust themselves so their hands only come up to like their their chest or something How interesting is that and they're like well that's never gonna work right you're not gonna right. do it it's go not gonna all the way don't do it which is so again so like art and like fighting in general i mean there's another principle that if you're a guy that's like well maybe maybe i should jab or you yeah. know, maybe i'll try to take as soon as you're into that place where you're not yeah, your like, jab could be top shelf but if you're not trusting yourself right yeah it's so beautiful so all of that like when people say sports psychology a lot of that's just dealing with the pressure it's not dealing with the process it sh- itself you should be confident enough to do that already mm-hmm. but it's just dealing with all the pr- with the things around that's that's hindering that creative process and and allowing you to get to that place where you trust yourself is i know a lot of comics that take beta blockers before auditions really yeah i'll be darned they say that just um it inhibits their ability to say fuck it i don't care about this let me right. just give my i'm a professional comic i've been training right. for a decade Let's just do Trust it. Trust myself. But yeah. instead, they're nervous. I don't want to miss the audition. And that just gets rid of the nerves. Right. That's, see, that's great. Um, I, I think that the great thing about the martial arts is if you're doing it right, it should train you how to grow like that, how to deal with those, with those nerves, with those, uh, with those uh, mm-hmm. apprehensions that, that inhibit that creative process. Do you see guys? Is it guys that are um, – well, first of all, maybe I didn't say – I'll say it in the introduction. But you're, like, you're a top-level trainer. Uh, well, well, I don't know, top level. I certainly do a lot what, of training. You have three UFC champions right now? Uh, I don't know how many. Uh, 700, <laughs> I don't know. Um, so you're all, you've, you've been around a while. You've seen I've been things. around, yep. Um, do you see... What was my question just going to be? Sorry. It's all right. Oh, the guys get better at, at trusting themselves as they go? Actually, I see it the opposite. A lot of times they trust themselves at the beginning, and then as pressure comes on, um, that's when that's when the real test for somebody at the high level is. It's not so much technical. I mean, you have to technically evolve. It's how do you deal with both sets of pressure. Hype, what I call uh, hyper pressure, which is where everybody expects you to do well. If you're not blowing them out of the water mm-hmm. every fight, then something's going on. They're always talking about you. Or the reverse of everybody tells you you're a genius all the time. And I think that's really hard. To, I think that's harder to deal with. I think fighters are naturally tough guys in the deal, but it's harder to say every morning... Ari, you're the greatest comedian ever. Yeah. Every morning, every 15 minutes. Ari, did you know that you're a genius? No, I'm serious. I'm serious. You're a genius. After six months of that, at some point, yeah. you're going to go like, maybe I am a genius. Maybe I am the greatest thing since sliced bread. And then they don't have to work as hard. Right. Exactly. Or you know, you start telling other people, hey, I think we should do this, that, and not in a, not in a creative way. Because for me, collaboration is a huge creative process where... You have certain rules while you're collaborating. And if you don't follow these rules, it'll inhibit mm-hmm. the creative process. Um, and so not in that way, but in a way where like, no, 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 no. Here's what we're going to do. And you mm-hmm. see it all the time. The, the fighters will start trying to tell the coaches what they think or not what they think in a positive way, like in a give back and forth, which is but like you know, what, I, what yeah. I think is the law. Right. Like, here's what we're here's what we're going to do. Or that's a stupid idea. Yeah. That's like, why would I do that? I don't need to do that. And as soon as you get there. You've listened to these guys tell you you're a genius. And I see a lot of comments do that. They've, they've been yes man to death. I call it. Yes, that's a good way to put it. That's you know, a great way where it's like it. now you have no no one's ever telling you that joke's not that funny. And the crowds, if you're famous, crowds will just laugh. So right. you don't really know what's good and what's great. Oh man, what a terrible place to be. That it way. really is a terrible place to be. Oh man, yeah. Just just that you're there makes them laugh. Mm-hmm. Oh. That's why I love going up at the comedy store where nobody knows me. Where I can get an honest response to all these things right now. That's so important. Yeah, if you don't mix it with that, then you're just you're just lost. 
Right. It's like Elvis training karate. <laughs> right. You know? You're the greatest fighter of all time, <laughs> Elvis. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, maybe I am. He's going to attack fucking crime people on the street. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's great. And you're like, shut up. You're a fat Elvis Presley. Right, right. Healthy shit. Right, yeah. That's maybe not the best choice for you to make there <laughs> at that point. Yeah, but... Uh, I really enjoy, and, and that's so cool is the parameters, and I'm really seeing that a lot more and more as I get older. I'm still very young, but as I'm learning, the per, controlling the parameters around the the uh, events to make sure that you stay creative. I mean, that's why I love talking to you. Like, when I talk to you, I get inspired because here's another way of looking at these things, and, and here is a reinforcement of some things that I, that I know, yeah. but also learning new things because you come at it from a place that I, I know nothing about. I wouldn't know comedy. I know it makes me laugh, but I wouldn't know how to do it if you put a gun to my head and said, get on the stage and make these people laugh. The technical aspects of it. Exactly, yeah. which is which is the beautiful part for me. Like that, I, I always say I never held with Mark Twain when Mark Twain said that uh, when he was a kid, um, the... Uh, the river was this beautiful, magical place, right? When he would go out and, and he was like, it was just incredible, like almost like a dragon. It was this mythical thing. And when he became, you know, a little more educated, he said it lost beauty for him when he would go, like when really? he was doing the riverboat captain stuff, because he understood here's the currents, his, here's the, it became uh, science yeah. to him. For me, it's the exact opposite. Like it's 10 times more beautiful when I, well, that's it. That's that current. That's this. That's how that works. That's incredible. Like that's amazing, and it just it fires me up, and and so it's so important for me as a coach. And I'm in the grind. I'm in a fight every week. I have to come up with game plan after game plan, fight after fight. We've got sixty plus fighters, so it's like that's my most. The thing that scares me the most is burnout, and it's happened to me, and, and it's cost me, you know, good fighters, and because really? I'm burned out, and you know, we're just like, I mean, it's week after week, and it's fight after fight, and everyone's a big deal, and every fight's, you know, every yeah. How do you stay and, fresh, and how do you stay like right. caring about so it? it that's how I do it. As I talk to people like you who are just amazing at what you do, just phenomenal at what you do. And not, you know, I mean, everybody knows who Robin Williams is, and that's great. He's a talented guy. I don't know the guy. But for me, and I'd love to talk to him, but you are, like, you're right in the war. Like, you're going to the comedy store all the time. Like, you've got that fire. And, yeah. and that's what I enjoy. That's, that fire then comes to me a little bit, and I'm like, oh, man, this, that. I always thought that when I saw interviews with comics, like, that I'm supposed to, like, revere. Right. And I'm like, this interview doesn't relate to me. This is about right. you've already been a superstar for 15 years or right. you're talking about coming up in the 60s. Right. I want right. somebody who's in the fight right now. Right, exactly. And that, that to me is so important. So controlling those parameters to make sure – John Cleese, of all people, gave one of the most beautiful talks on, on being a creative person that I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. And he said you have these rules that you know you, there's never a bad idea. Like if you throw it out there, you can kind of work through the idea and you can say – Okay, well, that might not work, but you don't go, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life because that's going to inhibit the creative process. Now, yeah. as a collaborator, you're saying, oh, well, maybe I won't say that because the last time I said something silly, I, I got, got shut, shut down. down. Right. So it can be a terrible joke, and you know very well that I take terrible jokes. But, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but but and, and most of it's irony, right? Like I'm doing it like look at how bad I yeah. am. It's funny. But uh, – but if I was like serious, I was like, Aria, I think I have a joke. And you were like, you were the dumbest human being I've ever met. I, wouldn't, I would never try to do a joke again. Not even that oh, I wanted right. to be a comedian. But, I mean, if it wasn't in a joking manner, like if I was saying a bad joke on purpose, which I do because yeah. I think it's hilarious. But uh, <laughs> if, uh, if so I was actually dead serious, like I want to go out and you were like, that's, that's awful. <laughs> then you, you, I'd be like, because eh, you can. It's all how it's you shell phrase shock. it, right? Well, and you can phrase it. You can be in your mind. You're like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard, Greg. But if you were to say, well, you know, if you do this, that, and you let the guy work through yourself and be like, 
oh, that, that isn't a good joke. That I shouldn't do that. If, you're, if you do that, then it's yeah. so much more uh, healthy for the creator. I had this process. acting class, and my teacher, it was always, it was the class would look at somebody doing a scene and then sort of say what you got out of it. And then he never wanted that was good, that was bad. Just like, what did you observe? It looked right. like a brother and sister fighting, and they're like, oh, no, we we're supposed to be lovers, so we didn't do our job at all. Just sort of say what your job was, what you saw. But it's, if your natural tendency is to say, I would have liked you to have yelled at her then if she was going to leave you. He was like, the teacher would say, don't tell them what to do. Just get there with questions. Right. So he would say like, that's brilliant. Well, how does it normally make you feel when someone walks out on you? And if they say, not great, it's like, well, then how do you react normally? If they say, I might yell, then cool, you've come up with it on your own. Right. That's even, you don't that's tell a teacher. Them to. That's a teacher. Yeah. Somebody that can do that. I was lucky enough, my mentor, Jim Dudley, that was his style of teaching. He was, he is a who was, who was he? He is, uh, he still is, he's around. He is kind of like my second dad. Um, my own dad also was very good, but uh, uh, he was a guy that would take me out into, I don't want to give, you know. <laughs> my own dad She's was my terrible. No, mom. my own dad was brilliant. He, he literally, he's a literal genius. Like, he's, he's amazing. But uh, this, uh, me and Jim Dudley, since I was a little kid, would take me out into the New Mexico deserts and we would just walk sometimes for days sometimes for hours and that was his big thing and he is like a renaissance man and then some and he's he's won awards from like when clinton was in office for being the world's best teacher yada 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 but anyway he's an amazing guy he is a professor at the university of mexico does mathematics and so he would take me out and that's your mentor yeah um and he he uh he would take me out and i would say so he would teach me about chaos theory and then I would come up with like – because what I do is I shotgun stuff. I shotgun a bunch of ideas and then this one doesn't work, that one doesn't work, that one doesn't work, this one does. And I try to do a lot of, of like this is like that kind of thinking like uh, gravity is like flying or whatever. You know, whatever. Um, so I try to, to, to make things analogous. You know, This is analog to that. And anywho, um, there's my big words for – I thought it was analogous. Yeah, I decided to go with analogous. <laughs> Yeah. And it's not paradigm, it's paradigm. paradigm. Anyway, uh, there's my jokes. Anyway, that's it, I'm done. Uh, but anyway, um, I, would try to be, uh, I would try to use analogies and, and say this is like that. And, uh, uh, so, but that can be very frustrating if I didn't have a clue, which a lot of times I still don't have a clue, but I didn't have a clue. So he would work through it with me, and then I would come up with it myself. Oh, that doesn't make any sense at all when I actually think about it. So, oh, right. Yeah, but if he would have shut me down... You don't learn. Right. And that's where you see, like, you get so upset, like, especially in philosophy. When you go with academic philosophers and you're hanging out, it's this huge competition to see who's smarter. And everybody thinks they're Socrates, and I'm going to get you in my little trap. And when I get you there, I'm going to show you that, you know. So you can say the one thing. Right. Oh, I'm brilliant. Right, right. But they're all just And you win the day. Yeah. And they're all just rehashing arguments. You know what I mean? There's Uh no creativity there. They're just following Descartes all the way along or yeah, whatever it is. But if you all talk it out and learn from each other and be like, interesting, do you think that's right. like this? And they're like, oh, maybe. I didn't think of it that way. Exactly. And they, then you can both grow. Right. Instead of like, no, I'm smarter. Like, okay, you're smarter, but let's work on, or let's, I, I hate that that everything's been done. I hate that everything under the sun has been done because it hasn't. If everything's been done, where did quantum mechanic come in? You know what I mean? Like, no, there's still stuff we're learning. It's, I it's, think it was Grover Cleveland that said it. I think it was Grover Cleveland. But some of, one of those old timey presidents, um, he was like, everything that's been invented has already been invented. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, like, no. no you haven't like, even got a telephone yet. Yeah. 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 Settle down there. Yeah. Was, what is dark matter? Dark yeah. There's so much. There's so many things 
So this whole like it's already been thought of in every way. I just drives me bananas. Yes, there's you have to be educated because a lot of people that are a lot smarter than you have thought about this for a lot longer. Yeah. That doesn't mean you have access to new information that they didn't have. And you never know. You might come up with one thing that they didn't like. It's just so silly to to give up on it and then to use it as a competitive tool yeah. to show how much See? better you are than somebody else. Like, how do you, let's fight if you want yeah. to fight. Yeah, exactly. And then we could test it. Like, right, we can yeah. really test whether this yeah, move works yeah, if you're yeah. stronger than right. me. Well, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, yeah. How do you combat that in your fighters that you're training to stop them from <laughs> saying, I'm the best? You know, it's hard. I, I try to do it at, before it hits them. It's really hard to do it after it hits them. So uh, I try to say, listen, here's what's going to happen to you. Like with John Jones, I did a lot of that. I said, here's what's going to happen. People are going to come and tell you that you are the most talented fighter that has ever lived. Here is this. These are these are the parameters that are going to attack you. In. And then that'll, test, that'll result in probably in you saying, cool, that right. I don't have to work very hard. Right. Well, what I said, exactly. I said, and that'll your result test, in a loss. Your test is, can you put up with that? But then that's the amazing thing about people like GSP. George just seems to do it naturally. Like, I've never seen somebody deal with pressure and with, you know, constant adoration. Oh, wait, I want to change that word. Adore. Let's think of another pronunciation. Adoration. I don't know. Anywho. How would he say it? Yeah, right. Uh, Adoration. I don't know. But the constant adoration, just being able to put up with it and not have it affect him. Like, he's the same guy. Really? He's amazing. He he really is. And John, for being as young as he is, is doing an amazing job as well. He seems, uh, George St. Pierre, seems like a, a real process guy. He is like he's like, I just want to so make this smart. part of my game a little better and this part of my game a little better. He's ridiculously smart. I mean, ridiculously smart. Really? Um, he's really good. And actually, uh, if we're talking about those two, John Jones is too. He really is. Like, he looks at stuff and, and I mean, he watches hours of tape and he says, I'd like to do this better. Really? I'd like to do that. But yeah, absolutely. And, and George is the same way. And what's great about George is he's so appreciative. And so John too, both of those guys have a lot in common. But you feel like a genius after you, you train him. Like you could show an arm drag to George, and he's probably even seen it before, but maybe you gave him something new, and he's so excited. Like, thank wow. you so much. This is brilliant. Like you go wave like, I'm the greatest coach in humans. <laughs> You're really not, but you, it makes you feel good. And, and then you want to give a – he's really good at encouraging that creative process. And, and John Jones is too. Like those guys are really good at encouraging that creative process. What, and others? Yeah, in their coaches. I mean, they're worried about you, and, and that's really nice. Yeah, do you have to worry about it at all, about about that same thing? Yeah, like, I, I have three UFC champions. Uh, many not more. so much that, because I'm well aware that it's those guys doing the work. For me, the enemy is burnout. It's like, I wake up, and I've been on the road for four weeks in a row, and it's been intense fight after intense fight. I have three new game plans to come up with. I have four individual growth plans that are, that are doing, um, and... Like I look at, I'll look at tape and I can't see it. I can't see how to do the game plan. I I, I know what I should be looking for, and I just mm-hmm. I, it's like a blank. And then I'm like, man, I got to teach today. <sighs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like this, I'm tired. I haven't slept well. I've been to Japan and back, and England and back, and and that's my war. That's the thing that I have to because I exist. Like I got in this to help others, and when that comes in, I mean I have great coaches that bail me out left and right. Um, but for my own personal journey, that's my that's my war is staying fresh. Yeah, you got to be on every time, right? But you have every a time. problem. It's a lot longer. I have 15 minutes to an hour of stand up that I can get up for, right? And otherwise, I can be burned out all I want. Right, right. I've got hours. The the 15 minutes should already be done for me. It's the hours beforehand of getting them ready, of training the right things over and over again. Yeah. And like I said, that that being burned out has definitely cost me before because fighters aren't the most understanding people when when 
you know they don't get to see what's going on all behind the scenes and so uh, you get people getting upset with you but that's you know I just try to keep it to a minimum and do what I can do so how do you combat that in your head of, of, of not wanting to feel like you're you're like the best thing ever um, for me, that part's easy because I don't. I actually really don't feel that way. Like it's not like I have to fight it because when people say you're a genius, again, I'm a human being, and so I say, "Oh, you know, that's that's very kind of you. I, I appreciate your 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 uh, positive feedback." But it, I don't ever wake up going, "I'm the greatest ever." Yeah. I might I might joke about it and stuff, but I don't know why. It just doesn't affect me. I guess I don't feel. You feel like way. you're shitty at all. No, I feel like I'm competent at my job. Like, I feel I'm good. I got where I was because for the last 20 years, I work really, really hard. Like, the the stuff people all see me now is this UFC stuff, but they don't realize that for years, coming to Vegas, yeah. I do it in an airplane now, but we couldn't afford it. In the Grappler's Quest days, when we would go and dominate the Grappler's Quest tournaments, yeah. when my attention was there, I was in a van. You know, there were six of us in a room, and, and we still dominated. Like, I know... A lot of the, the criticism takes away its sting because when we, I was the first coach inducted into the Grappler's Quest Hall of Fame. Like when I was really? grappling, yeah, when I was grappling stuff and our focus was there, I think we still have the team record. I don't know. I've got a plaque on it on the wall, but I think we still hold the team record for the Grappler's Quest. And I couldn't get to the Worlds in Brazil or anything. I live in New Mexico. So right. what, I'd train the guys and what I would train them in and we would drive here and then that we could compete with everybody from around the world that would come here. Um, but we would dominate. Um, again, I forget what the record is. And then when it was King of the Cage in the mid-level, we took all the King of the Cage world titles. I think at one point we only had, it was like one or two titles we didn't possess. So, And then when it came to the UFC, we've taken a bunch of titles there too. So I have a deep, a deep uh, uh, background to keep me confident, but I never think that those things make me better than somebody else or greater than somebody else because I guess I don't think in those terms. I just want to, it's the process and and. You know, all the all the coaches are great. They're all amazing. They've all done great things. And yeah. so I'm just one of them. There comes a time where I feel like it's like it doesn't where your ranking compared to other people doesn't matter right. at all. Exactly. Exactly. Because they're it's, on their path, I'm on my path. I couldn't agree more. That's exactly the way I feel. And so that keeps a lot of negative emotions. Like I'm never jealous of people because of that. Like I love the other coaches. When I see the other coaches here, they're the only ones I can talk to. Like when yeah. you talk to a comedian. Yeah that's been on the road and goes to like, there's only a few guys that talk your language. Like he knows exactly what you feel and exactly what you, you know what I mean? And that's yeah. so rare and so important that those are like, I'm very good friends with every coach that I can be because those guys talk my language. Yeah. And they're into what you're into. Right. I was on the road once with Jake Johansson. I was, I was thinking of my first like MC week and we're all hanging out at the DC improv afterwards after the shows, you know, the, the, they close the place and right. we just open up the taps and just drink and <laughs> smoke pot. It was fun with the wait staff, but he was there and I was telling some story about going to Tijuana and getting a hooker. Uh-huh. And he goes, hey, I'm married, man. And I'm, uh, I'm like an adult now. <laughs> but he goes, I'd way rather be here listening to comics talking about comedy type shit right. than have my wife's friends talk about gardens. Right, you right. Know? Because exactly. that guy's a comic, and he'll just always like talking about stuff like that. Right, exactly. And so I think that that's important. So I never really, for myself, I never really worry about yeah, you know, am I better? I think that worse? comes with um, getting confident too. Just because, like, in the beginning, and com- I'm, I was constantly fighting against people, right? <coughs> Wanting to be like, I'm better than him, right? right. But only because I knew I wasn't, right. right? Better than anybody, so I had this competition in my head, right? And then I think as people get more, I don't know, they just get more comfortable with what they're doing. Well, and I think that you really went. What? What? One of the things I really uh, admire and like about you is, like, you went after your craft like a son of a gun like when we talk yeah. you talk to me in technical terms that I can completely understand because you're still at the comedy store and you're still you're still in the war you haven't got comfortable sitting on your success which you could 
um, you're still in the battle. You're still trying to come up with new stuff. You're like th- that. I think also where you put that energy. Are you going to put that energy into being like, oh my god, I can't believe he gets more attention than I do. This is no. BS. Or are you going to put that energy into? I just came up with this great new joke and I used this timing and then I tried it here and it didn't work and like that is fun yeah. for me. Just like living in this place where you're questioning whether you're good or not good or are you bet like God, what how could you live that way? Such a drain. Yeah. I'm always split sort of between like if people say like how are you as a comic or something like that. It's half of me like sometimes I don't know what what which situation would be what, but sometimes I'm like um no, I'm good at what I do. I'm, I'm, a, I'm one right of the better comps. Like I'm happy. And the other times, I'm like, I'm awful. I don't know what I'm doing. People are going to find out that I'm a fraud at any moment. Right, but I think that's still part of your fire. That's just yeah, and that just of, drives me. Right, like, yeah, I gotta get you got to go. Exactly. See, and I think I don't think there's anything wrong with that as long as you're taking a positive result. Like if you did that and you started drinking and you're laying on right, your couch. Right. You know what I mean? That there's a difference. Like there's a I'm difference terrible, what so you do with no that, right? Yeah, like you just get total existentialist where you're like, "There's nothing in anything, and I'm just going to lay here." And <laughs> um, but I, I think that 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 back end of your fire, if you take that and be like, "All right, well, I want to get better," like just relentlessly self improve. Like I'm just going to get better at my thing, and because a lot of people were probably much more talented coaches than I am, and, and are, yeah. but none of them worked like i did not no no coach today has put in i've been in more corners i've been there, there's no way there's no way i know it because we have it on record yeah. so but hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of fights um and so if i wasn't as talented as somebody i had that fire in my head where like well i gotta get better i gotta figure this out i gotta go i gotta do i gotta do more and that fire is wonderful yeah it pushes you you sort of be thankful for that, right? Oh man, I love it. Like if it's, I'm only scared when that's what I'm saying. Complacency hits you. When it might burn, yeah. When I'm when I'm burned out, and I have been just cold burned out, where I'm like, do you take time off? I, I mean, when I have a, I have one yeah. week off a year that uh, I just sleep for like 16 hours a day, and my wife, who's the greatest woman in the world, her name's Stephanie, and I have two kids, Jimmy and Sammy, and they are the most understanding, wonderful people. Like I couldn't do this if it wasn't for their support. And they just let me sleep 16 hours. She takes her, her family. And that's into, her vacation. And we go down to Mexico and they hang out and they have a great time. And I literally, I wake up in the morning, I play with my kids on the beach, I sleep. And in the evening, I play again. And I'm like 16, 17 hours of sleep for one week. For a week. For one and week. And then you don't train at all? No, I don't train at anything. Okay. I just, I'm out. I'm like, that's what gone. I'm doing now, too. It's like, do you need vacation days where you get away from it completely? Yes. Yeah. And, but they're great because they keep my fire going, too. Yeah. Because uh, yeah. when I was poor, I couldn't afford to ever do that. And right. if I took a vacation, it'd be like, well, let me see where I can get up while I'm in San Francisco or right. while I'm in wherever. i got to get up on stage while I'm there. Right. But now I'm like, let me take two days just completely away. That's really hard. Stephanie keeps trying to give me three days a month, but it just can't happen. Like, yeah. I, I would love it, but there's always a fighter that needs you. And so you're... <laughs> That's why you're bald. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I had in here. But that, that constant, like, if I take three days off to do something I want to do, yeah. everybody's mad at me. Really? Where, where oh, were you? Fuck, where, that where, you know sucks. I mean? Yeah, exactly. So, um, and I try, like, I work with the military a little bit, and that helps me keep my fire, and I do this and that and the other thing. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, they have, fighters have to be pretty understanding at, at this point. Yeah. Um, and I'm not doing it all the time, but, you know, for a week or two, I might not be there 100% all the time because always somebody's in camp. The UFC has so many shows. Bellator has so many shows. All the little shows that nobody knows about, we have tons of fighters there. Um, and, if you start getting lackadaisical, people start getting upset. Yeah. Do you get more, um, sometimes, or maybe always, do you get more tortured by the things that you can't figure out than you do 
uh, getting happy about the things you have figured out? I think it's a pretty even split at this point, and honestly, I don't have a lot of time to reflect. Like, I'll sometimes I'll be like, "That was a great moment." Like, uh, uh, we had a Sean Jordan had a, a, a fight the other day against Mike Russo, and he had a terrible first round. And yeah. me and me and my big bro, Mister Winklejohn, are in the corner going, "Okay, we have to change the parameters of this fight." And so we did. We were like, "Okay, abandon what we did before, like abandon that, and go after this. Go after a takedown now." And he did it, and he turned the fight completely around. Like, those wow. moments are, are just phenomenal. But nobody knows what they're looking at. Nobody's in the corner. So you're not going to – those moments are for you and my big bro, Mr. Winklejohn, and, you know, maybe Sean or whatever. And, and so that, it, that's really – that's a high. And you can think yeah. about that again where you're like, oh, that was great when cool. we turned we that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Figure, right, right. Because a lot of times you have to adjust. And sometimes your adjustments aren't – aren't heated like the fighters just been in the game plan so long they can't adjust they can't right but those moments are great when they adjust and you help them adjust man there's you can't ask for better than that it's just phenomenal yeah i I know those moments too where you're like if you can't adjust sometimes i can't sometimes i know i'm going too dirty for a crowd right and then i'm like in my head i'll I'll do it because part of you goes autopilot and says okay i'm as you're doing the jokes, you gotta like, I gotta do this that guy's giving me the mean eye right be careful about him that's brilliant you know um all these things, the checks are going to drop soon as you're trying to like stay in the moment and do your jokes. But sometimes I'm like, I'm too dirty for this crowd right now. Go cleaner. And for some reason, sometimes it just makes me stay dirty. Yeah. Isn't that funny? Yeah. Just that's, the thought of like, get out of there. Because I think that might be the fighter in you where you're like, you know what? I'm just going to swing anyway. Yeah. Let's like a dirtier. Thing. And I just yeah. I abandon everything else. I'm like, what that's are you doing, man? <laughs> that's, that's the fighter in you. And, and that's interesting because you, I mean, as, as a, uh, you just want to overwhelm that, right? Right. Yeah. You just want to control it by by going farther into it, and that yeah, that's that's interesting. But to answer your question, we digressed a little bit. Uh, no, not usually. Usually, um, I'm not tortured by the things I can't figure out. I feel yeah. terrible when I make a mistake, like because I'm not. All, I mean, that's hundreds and hundreds of fights. I'm not going to always make the right call. Yeah. Um, I do pretty well, but you know, you're going to make. You're, I'm a human again, and I'll make mistakes. But uh, mostly, it's just right on to the next one, on to the next one, on. But even like when you're like. Picking up a game plan for somebody like we have to defend against, for instance, we have to defend against Aldo's legs. Right. This won't come out to what later. So <laughs> right. but like we have to defend against Aldo's legs, and you have, you have to start thinking about like how are we going to do that? Do you right. ever like come up with a wall against like I don't I can't figure out a way? No, with yeah, this that's guy's gonna burnout. That. That's exactly it. And burnout, I usually can, and so I watch tape. And then what I've learned to do is back off. Get away. Back from off it. for a little bit, and then I'll watch it again. I'll back off again, and then all of a sudden, and it just hits me. I'm like, oh, this, this, and that. And that's fine for that. It's in the fights that you when you when I, when the coach can't adjust. Like I can't see how we're going to win this fight. Like yeah. I can't see how we're going to do it. Um, that's when I get nervous because I've only got fifteen to twenty five minutes to, in order where I need to try to tell this guy in what needs to change. Uh, that George St. Pierre fight that I bring up a lot is the Dan Hardy fight. George St. Pierre and Dan Hardy. George takes him down, passes his guard, arm bar like rubber arms the guy. Like he, yeah. he just can't tap him out, and the guy keeps getting up again. And getting up again, and every time Dan Hardy gets up, well, it's dangerous it's, again. It's dangerous again. So what I said was take him down and don't pass his guard. Get him down. Do your ground and pound. We need to do damage because really all a submission hold is is saying, okay, this is too much pain for me to put up with if the referee doesn't stop it, right? Uh, yeah. And so now I'm going to concede that, okay, that, that's more pain than I really want to put up with. Um, so you can, you can kind of accelerate that process because we're in the process of breaking wills. You can accelerate that process. So breaking by, wills, that's yeah, a good way to put it. Um, uh, by doing a ton of damage, and then you can pass the guard again and go. But lots of people didn't understand that because that's not, wait a minute, you always pass the guard. Right. You, this is the doctrine. 
you, if you have a gun, you always shoot this way. If you go take somebody down, you always do that. And so trying to come up with a new idea, we need to change the parameters of this fight. We just keep getting to the mount, and he keeps getting up. I want to do damage. I want to win. I want to finish this guy. Um, and ironically, everybody thought that, oh, well, Greg doesn't want him to finish him. But that was the exact opposite. No, yeah. like, I want him to smash his face up a little bit and let's break that will it's like in WWF you can't just go for a tap right away they'll right, always exactly. do the buck up yeah, they'll thing. just you buck up and you know it first. if it's an early pin you're like there's no Come way he's gonna on. get this it's <laughs> been 40 seconds <laughs> yeah there's no way he's stop gonna stop it <laughs> exactly um, and, that's, and that's a lot to it but like understanding that what <laughs> that fight, guy doesn't even have a nickname he's not gonna beat him <laughs> can't be John Rothstein right as your fighter name and win I think it would be great to be the other guy just be like oh my god it's about to be over I can't believe it It'd be great to be the Rube. Uh, But anyway, so like that redefinition of structure, understanding what a fight really is about and stuff isn't understood by everybody, but it's still something that you have to try to do to try to reevaluate. Just like you're saying, I'm sinking. I'm dying on stage right now. How do I reevaluate and change it and save it? And sometimes I think you have to fight the fighter in you. Like when Carlos Conda was fighting Nick Diaz, we did everything that you can do to win a fight. We controlled when, where, total octagon control. We controlled when, where the, the fight was going to happen. Yeah. Uh, we landed more strikes. We landed more significant strikes. So we did everything that, that, that needed to happen for that fight. But Carlos had to stay disciplined because Nick is a master of sucking you into his plan of let's just stand here and bang. Right, right, and so right. he was like, come on, bitch. Let's go. You know what I mean? And he was so smart to do it. I love Nick. Dick D is one of my favorite guys in the world. Yeah. He was really smart of him because he was getting his lateral motion wasn't there and he was getting outmaneuvered. And so to prevent him from continuing to be outmaneuvered, he called he he called you out on stage. He said, "Oh, you can't get dirty enough, Ari. Come right. on, come on." And, and meanwhile, so, the whole crowd is telling me, "Don't do that." Right, There's right, one guy I want right, to show right. up. They're like, "All right, I'll show this, you." That's the that's the in your head thing. You know what I mean? Where you're yeah. like, "Yeah, I'm going to come out swinging." Then and staying that discipline, I think, is one of the hardest things that a fighter has to do. Yeah. And I don't know about comics, but it sounds like that's what you want to do. Unless you're just like, you know, F them all. Let's, let's all right. rock. Right. Is, is it once in a while you do that? Where it's like, let's blow up the world. Let's right, scorch yeah. the earth. I don't care what happens now. But that's, that's <laughs> beautiful in itself. Let's have everyone get a bad time. Right. Um, do you have a harder time getting people on game plans after, I just thought of this, but after um, they get dumped or anything? Dumped from? Uh, uh, a woman. Oh, I mean, literally, when they're heartbroken, no. Usually, that's better. Usually, it's the opposite. Usually, uh, being in a relationship for a man or a woman fighter is usually if they don't have their pattern down, where yeah. like you know they're supportive or whatever. Usually, it's the other way around. Usually, when they get dumped, it's all the the Rocky movie esque stuff. That's when Hollywood comes in. And they're like, "I'm going to put all this emotion really? into training so hard." And usually, uh-huh. fighters aren't the kind of guys that are like moping around the house, going, well, "I don't know what's wrong with me." Does anybody ever get dumped like a week before the fight? Oh yeah, you should see the and those are things. good for them a lot of times because they are pissed and as long as you've done your work with the discipline that fire that we're talking about that flares up in them that's rejection that's all the things that 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 can be negative that you can take and put that fire into it into a positive place the only time that i've seen it go bad is if you're in a long-term relationship like if you've been with this girl for like you know 12 years and she dumps you a week before the fight then you're gonna like you're just so and you should be surprised that with the things I'm not gonna mention names or anything but there, there's that been some crazy that. some crazy stuff but why if it's just are a, people so white trash why don't you be like I just don't know, do it just, a week later right, right, fights I, every five months right, just yeah. give them a week but I mean so much of of being in a relationship is the relationship gets competitive what do you love more do you love fighting more or do you love me more and <laughs> They don't understand that they don't love fighting more. Fighting is who they are. Right. So what you're asking is, do you love who I am more than I love you? And like, you love me because of this. Like, I'm a comic and you love me because I'm like, that's how you met me. 
Girls are such morons. <laughs> They're always like, well, who do you love more? It's like, what does it matter more? What do you mean? Right. I love you. Right, exactly. What's the difference? But th- they don't understand that it is, it's not two things. It's one yeah. thing. Like, I am comedy. I'm Ari and I am yeah. comedy. That's what I do. That's it's what, what I am. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, if, how are you going to compete with myself? Uh-huh. Like, what, what are you, what are you, that the parameters of your argument don't even make sense. Like, how can you compete with me? How can I compete with myself? Like, it, I'm just yeah. me and I love you. But me is this process. That's me. And you were here. It wasn't like it would changed on you. You yeah, were here. Yeah, if you don't want me to be a fighter or a comic, right. then you should Why are find you here? somebody else. Exactly. That's what Why you are you here? Then, you know, don't think you can change it or whatever. But yeah, it's, it's that. A lot of it's that, is that they get real competitive. And the other is the fame. You'll see a lot of significant others when, uh, like, let's say you get a bunch of fans coming up to you. Yeah. And you have a woman for a while. Like, she's like, well, why am I not getting any attention? So you get some of that, too. Oh, uh, yeah. I can see that being a problem, too. Yep. Those are the two big ones I see. But that being said, flip side of that is if you've got a good woman or a good man with you, man. They're cool. It's empowering. Look, your, yeah, yeah, it's empowering like crazy. No, I've dated girls sometimes, too, where it's like, you've helped my stand-up a lot. Right. Just being supportive. It's and awesome. Being, I really like that joke. Great job. And you're like, oh, I want it. Then they become your muse, and you want to fight or big jokes to impress them exactly. even when they're not there right no and having that muse power the muse power is probably the most powerful thing I mean there's a reason that for thousands of years people use that term having a muse is, is so important yeah it's Absolutely. like dedicating your life to something right exactly and, and it, it doesn't even have to be a person it can be anything but yeah mm-hmm. having that muse thing I think is such an important human phenomenon that if you're not tapping into it you're missing out yeah God is a lot of people's muse exactly are you religious exactly. at all no not at all you're not no I was raised a Quaker but uh Really? Yeah. Wow, that's cool. Yeah. That's weird. When'd you get out or how'd you get out? I was pretty early on. You know, a lot of that stuff doesn't make sense. But I actually really enjoy the Quaker religion. And some of, like Jim Dudley, the, the, my mentor, is uh, that's where we all met, was kind of in that Quaker church. And uh, their, their, uh, their doctrines on nonviolence were interesting. And, and uh, their, uh, the way they run their, their church is very interesting and I think very positive. And, and if They're not the ones that made the chairs, right? Those are shakers. No, those are, yeah, well, and you're thinking of, a lot of people confuse it with Amish people, where like you're you're uh, you know you're making your own furniture and doing all yeah. that stuff, and you know you ride on horses instead of cars. But that's there's a difference between like the Mennonite Amish and Quaker is just a, another sect of Christianity where uh, you don't have preachers. You all kind of sit in quiet circle, and, and uh-huh. your your relationship to God is very personal. It's, this doesn't go through a medium to do it. You you just have your oh, own. Interesting. Deal. Yeah, it's it's it, as religions go, it's not terrible. They're yeah. totally peace. They've done incredible things around the world and. And it's a good tradition to be a part of. However, um, it's just not mine. It wasn't yeah. mine for me. I was Orthodox Jewish when growing up, and uh-huh. it's like it's still in me. But right. I'm out of it completely. I'm right. atheist, but like right. that's still part of my upbringing. Right. Those like absolutely you know, family and, values and things. Right. That they and, and see, there's a great there's tons of great parts of religion. It's kind of like the martial arts. Everybody, when they rejected the you know karate reverse punch, rejected. Oh well, you should respect each other. You should like. There's this like systematic rejection of everything. But no, there. Yeah, there's parts there's really take. parts that are really good for you. It's natural tendency with anybody to be like that guy's an idiot and everything, everything he says is wrong. Exactly. And you're like, no, no. There's he might have this part wrong, but this part is really even right. a homeless guy knows a cheeseburger is good. Exactly. So you don't have to be like, <laughs> I'm stealing that. You line. totally can. I just thought of it, but it's like you totally can. Like, right. he doesn't have to be wrong about everything. everything. Right. Yes. There's something that you can learn. Don't from model him. your life after him. Right. But like, right. You right. can't just reject. I got. I got. They, we have all these homelessy guys that hang out at the comedy store. Uh-huh. Because they have an open mic system that just, for a long time, just allowed whoever showed up to get up. Legit. <laughs> yeah. For some people, it's just a warm place to be for right, three minutes. Right, so they just talk it up there. Yeah. <laughs> but um, sometimes they would like to say, here's what you got to do with your routine. And you'd be like, oh, you're in it. But every once in a while, one of those crazy guys would be like, gem? 
I think you're right. That's awesome. Oh my God, you're that's right. I did you switch just, that. <laughs> that's great. Yeah. That's great. You never know. And that's cool. I mean, religion is there for a reason. There's some ancient, ancient knowledge there about human behavior, I think, that's very important. Oh yeah, absolutely. When did you start seeing the similarities between art forms and, and uh, fighting? It was pretty early on because, again, I'm a shotgun thinker and, and I do analogies a lot. Um, so it was pretty early on. But uh, the two books that really influenced me on it was first, of course, The Book of Five Rings, which I read very early. What is that? Uh, it's probably the greatest hand-to-hand combat book ever written. It's a book by uh, Mayumaru Musashi, who is a samurai. Um, and he, I forget what he killed, 60 guys or something like that. Um, but he was he dedicated his life to finding the way. Like That's all he did, all the time, 24-7. He was obsessed. I mean, he was... With the process. With the process. And then he wrote a book at the end of his life in a cave, and that book is uh, is is what those of us that uh, that are serious about combat read. And so that book, he was really the first guy to say, if you know one way, you know always. And what he meant by that is, and he would do painting and sculpting. He did all this stuff and carpentry. And all of his lessons are, are analogy. They're like... Yeah. You know, you need to build the floor before you build the top story kind of stuff. And, you know, you need to set your, your pace, your rhythm before you start going crazy on stuff. Um, and, and so that, that was big. And then... Say that again? You need to build the top floor? Well, you can't build the top floor first, right? In other words, um, you need to get a fighting stance before right. you fight, so to speak. Yeah. And again, there's ways where you can reject all of that with complete, you know... I don't know if you call it deconstructionist or like just Jackson Pollock throwing paint it. Like, you know, you can just go, I'm just going to come in there with a flying punch and maybe that'll work because it's completely unpredictable. Yeah, but even Jackson Pollock knew art theory beforehand. This is true. This is true. Um, he knew I saw he some of right, I saw some of his early work in, in the San Antonio. I was like, holy cow, is Jackson Pollock in the San Antonio Art Museum? Really? But it's like all normal, like, oh, it's a person and a thing. And, and I was like, oh, holy really? crap, yeah. I was like, oh, this is before he went. With oh, the, before with he got the, yeah, before he went to like, it's all just paint, man. Um, yeah, you can't teach somebody a Peruvian necktie his first day of training. Right, exactly, exactly. And so just understanding that you want to build a foundation, but there's a ton of stuff like that in there. Um, and then Hofstedler's book, uh, Gertel Escher Bach, it, I read. What is that one? It's, uh, it's Douglas Hofstedler, who is a genius. This man is a straight genius. Like, there's so many geniuses that you'll never, I mean, you hear about the Einsteins of the world, but people like Ed Witten or that's uh, a genius mathematician or uh, Hofstedler, Douglas Hofstedler. I mean, the dude is like, what he says in that book, what book is, is it? phenomenal. It's called Girdle, who is a great mathematician. Escher, who is yep, and uh, Bach. Oh. And they make the candies. <laughs> That's it. They do. And uh, <laughs> yes, <laughs> and they're one of Arnold Schwarzenegger's favorite things to say. Um, I'll, I'll be, be Bach. Bach. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, the uh, such an idiot. Yeah. I know. <laughs> That's my third joke on the show, and they're but all winners right out of the park, right out of the park. But anyway, uh, <laughs> I would lead with I got a new one. My kids told me. Yeah, right. Okay, yeah, right. yeah, exactly. Yeah, yes, famous for my good jokes. And anyway, so what did he say? Um, the, well, what he did is he was showing how uh, Girdle's incompleteness theorem, among other things, uh, box music and Escher had all of these uh, similarities and structure and recursion and all of these amazing things and. Um, and it's a book that, like, it took me literally two years to read the book because I would read parts of it, and then I, I couldn't go any farther. I just had to sit and let it and think about Super. these things. And I was a young guy, you know what I mean, wow. in my early 20s, and, and I was like, this, this is incredible. What were you doing at the time? Uh, I, start, I just met my wife. So what was I doing? I was teaching martial arts because I've been doing that forever, but I think I just quit my, the video store job. I must have because I was living in my gym. 
so yeah, I was just I was teaching martial arts. I mean, I've been doing that since okay. I was seventeen. So uh, I want to get back and talk about your beginnings here for a okay. second. But, but first, oh, so well, anyway, it'll be the quick end of the story. But that that was I was like, you know what, this guy's on to something, and I think that there are principles that I can learn from whatever else it is, and I can yeah. do better fighting stuff. And then I started seeing in between as I became more educated in different arts. I saw in between the arts, and then I mean, if you're not after beauty, why the hell are you drawing breath? Like it was just go 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 after that, and it's been go 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 ever since. Wow. And then you just try to break things down. What, so how did you, what, did, what were you doing before you started training people? Oh, I did a yourself? bunch of, yeah, well, no, because I was a dumb kid. So I grew up in, I was the only white kid kind of growing up in my place. So I did what I needed to do for a lot of years. Um, but then I didn't want what does that. that mean? Uh, you know, you, you have to, because where I grew up is a very machismo attitude. It's Hispanic and, and now predominantly Mexican Wait, environment. You're not Hispanic, are you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was under the That's impression right. that you were a pure right. white. Yes. Oh, no. They'll believe me. They'll be the first to tell you I'm as white as they go. Although for the first 12 years, I did think I was Hispanic because that's all I had around me. Uh-huh. Um, but, uh, it, it, like any culture, there's a there's and, and one of the things that I think you do brilliantly is there's a there's a very underlying current of racism in every culture. If you're black, not only are you racist against uh, white people, but if you're slightly darker or lighter, there's oh racism. yeah, you know what I'm saying the high it's, yellow and red bone yeah, people oh, like yeah. looking yeah. down or up every, at each other, right? Exactly. Oh. So um, while some of my best friends in the world were growing up were Hispanic, I mean even they had there's always this underlying of like oh you're a white guy, and it, it got to the point I remember. And it didn't even phase me until years later. One of my best friends named Brad, who looks light skinned, but he's very Hispanic. Um, and he was, we were fighting all the time. And one guy called him a white boy. And that was like so insulting to him. He's like, oh, I'm not white. And this is my best friend in the whole world since we were like five years old. I'm not white. And I was, and in my mind, I was like, man, that's messed up. He called him a white boy. And it was, it was years later that I was like, wait a minute. Yeah. Like, wait a minute. It's not that bad right, to be white. Right, right. That, wait. But, and, but I got called gringo and huero and, and a whole nine for, for a lot of years. So just growing up having these kids didn't respect anything except your ability to kick their ass because a lot of times their home life was so bad yeah. and even as a young adult like it was so bad that, that juvie or later jail was a break like that was nicer than getting than getting beaten the hell out of by whoever it was every single day so they literally didn't care Jesus. they literally didn't care so what the only thing they cared about yeah. is can you kick their ass that was it so that was my beginning in martial arts is I was like well I better figure out how to beat these guys up because that, tell the teacher who cares Call a cop? Who cares? Oh, I'm back in jail. That's where all my friends are. So, right. hey, great. See you later. Matter. You know what I mean? They literally, there's, there's no caring about anything. Later on, it became they cared about, you know, making money or whatever it is. But they still had that underlying where you have no, no social power over them. You have no social power. Like, I can't call for help because they literally don't care. Call the cops. By the time they come and arrest me and I go oh, back to see my you friends, up. you're done. Right. I, will, I will have stabbed you, beat you, or whatever. And so then you start fighting for, for safety? Safety, and, and I wanted respect. Like, I didn't, right. want, I didn't want to be picked on. I didn't want people to, like, when I talked, I didn't want to be like, shut up, Greg. Like, you know what I mean? Like, sit over there. Like, I didn't want that. I wanted to. Eat it, Jackson. Right, yeah, exactly. And, and you just, and I always had a really bad temper, really bad when I was a kid. And so it was just a no-brainer. Like, I had to do that stuff. And, and figuring out that, I mean, that's why I'm a good trainer now is, you know, you would get into long wars with people where, like, this guy will not go down. How does that feel? How does it feel to have your lungs burn where you can't, you're still having to fight, but you like, so then in parson, like, everybody's always like, how did you learn all the sports psychology stuff? And it was just because I was a dumb kid and I just yeah. tried to break it down when I was doing it myself. So I never fought in the cage or anything because I wanted to change my life completely. I didn't want to do, I wanted to help people. I was raised by Quaker hippies. Like, that's where I felt 
true happiness comes from helping others. That's what was pounded in my head Mm. from day one. And so that began my teaching journey. So when I was about 17 or 18, I was like, you know what? I'm done with this. I'm done with this, and I'm uh, I'm just going to train people. And this is before the comp- the competition stuff came out. But I- I'm just going to train people. And to, how to be fighters? Because I didn't know anything else, and I still I still don't know anything else. I got this or McDonald's. That's it. <laughs> Do you ever have moments where you're like, like five years after you started doing it, go fuck? I'm not equipped to do anything else anymore. This better work out. I was so into it that it didn't happen to me. But yeah, like before five years ago, I was like, I literally can't do anything else. Like really? <laughs> like this is it? Like I've got as recently this as five years? Yeah, because again, I, yeah. I would, the the fire was so strong. But it, I, yeah, I, I I can't do anything like this. Yeah. yeah, I love it so much. I wouldn't be happy doing anything else. Oh, Although, that's another thing. Yeah. Like, what else are you gonna do? Right. Like what? Yeah. What am I gonna go You're be an accountant somewhere? Shotgun. Come on. Right. Like it just nothing else makes me as happy as as training people and and figuring out all the martial arts stuff and the game plans and all that it makes me so happy. It challenges me all the time and and, and it's great. Do you get happy when you see somebody start landing uh, things in the gym? Yes. Is, when I see them grow in the gym. Yeah. And it doesn't even have to be great fighters. Just seeing people come in at one level and watching them go through the process of breaking down and building back up and growing and becoming stronger. I, oh, man, it's a high that I can't duplicate. I, I just love it to death. The whole process is so wonderful. Huh. Um, and that's what really gets me going. And it's like I said, it's nice when people come in and say, hey, thank you. You know, you turned everything around for me or this or that. That's really nice. But when you see it yeah. when you see it, then you're like, wow, this kid came in here and, and couldn't do much. And now look at him fly. Right. Like that's even, even guys that are good and talented. You see that with. And man, it's so like just to know that I was able to help a situation better like and some fighters have left me eventually and, and man, that's great. But, uh, you know, find your own path and do your own thing. But to know that I I. The situation, the skill wise, especially, I left better it better off. than I found it. Yeah, that's important to me. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Then you could like get a judge that way. Because yeah. honestly, if you keep if you keep fighting, I mean, let's say all of your fighters fought against GSP, right? They'd all have bad records. Yes, hundred percent. You know what I mean? Oh my god! Yeah. So it's not just about the result of win or loss, right? And for me, the re- I mean, the result of win or loss means that you did the process correctly. But the win or the loss, or sorry, the win is for the fighters. Yeah. The loss means that a you know you're just outgunned and that's just normal. Or I didn't do something correct in the process. So the one or the other. Right. Right. So the. Uh, the important thing for me is that the process is mine. That's the part. The win is for the fighter. Yeah. He's the one putting it on the line, getting on the cage. He's being very brave. That win is for him. I have nothing to do with the win. That's why in the wins, you'll I'm out of there. The mm. losses, I'll hang out with him a little bit. But the wins, like, I'm done. I just want to do it again. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's how I am about, about if I can't figure out. Like, there's certain stories I have on stage where I can't figure out an ending. And people really? will be like, dude, you killed tonight. I'm just fucking in the back, just throwing a temper tantrum. Really? That's like, awesome, that Ari. fucking ending, that story. That's so legit. It just tortured me. God, I remember the story about going to Australia and shitting myself on, this, on that bridge up there. Oh, in the uh, Sydney Bridge? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And it was just like, I could not find a way to wrap it up right. And everything I tried was just like, Ugh. Right. And people were loving it, but it was like, You're, you'd like it better if you could right. just wrap it up well. <laughs> That's so legit, though. That's amazing. That's yeah. really amazing. But then when I found something, it felt so much better than if I just thought of it first day. That's so cool. Yeah. That's phenomenal. That process is, is so fun. Cause, uh, yeah, figuring it out, figuring it out. What would... For me, like, it's all, everything, I'm an existentialist, so everything is arbitrary. Like, it, it so it becomes, it's yeah, all relative, too, though. Too. Like, so what is important is what I find important, period. Like, the universe doesn't care. Like, the universe just moves, and it is what it is. Uh-huh. 
so what is it? It will, it's what I find important. It's relative. I mean, I'm nothing and I'm everything at once because I'm not in the grand scheme of things in six billion years when everything else has changed and stuff like nobody's going to know I was here. Not even people will know I here. The sun, the earth gets, it doesn't matter. But what matters is what I find important. So I want to, I'm hardwired. I'm a human being. I've evolved a certain way. Yeah. These are the, this is the parameters that are in my so mind. This is what matters to this you. This is what matters to me. I'm hardwired this way and my environment right. gave me this. And so these are the, and that's all I need. And almost who cares if that's not what everyone else is right. into in terms of exactly. fulfillment or whatever else. Because what, because that's their and what's into them is important to them. But my code and my, the way I feel about the world is this and mm-hmm. that's important for me and as long as I'm not doing damage and, and no, I'm not a perfect human being oh my god I make mistakes like a son of a gun but uh, I try to, I try not to do as much damage as I can yeah. um, but you know humans and you make mistakes and things happen and you do unintended things but my point is that's what I find important and so that's where I put my energy I took one of the things you, you, you told me once about um, that you will see sometimes fighters midway through the first round or something like that that one fighter just assumes I'm going to win and the other fighter just assumes I'm going to lose. Right, right, yeah. You know? And there's a feeling of I'm getting outgunned. In there. Yeah. Or there's a feeling like I can't, I'm going to get this guy. Yeah. Yeah, and they still fight it out for three more rounds. Yep. But it's just like you can just tell like he's accepted defeat. Right, right. And you want to fight that. That's when the fire comes. Like that's when the Ari that just, well, oh, you want me to go dirty? Yeah. Well, I'm going to do the most. I'm going to do things that will have me arrested as yeah. soon as I but walk off. I've done off that in stand up before where I've like sort of a, a, a just accepted defeat. Like, this right. isn't going well. It's going to be a C, C plus set. And it's like, right. fine, I'll just keep going until it's done. Right, 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 right. But then sometimes if you fight that, you're like, it's no. Yeah. And you see what you're doing. You're giving up because they right. weren't into it. Right. And I think that you feel better, even if you had bombed, at least in me, and I don't know this for personally, but it seemed to me that if you went after it and yeah. you still bombed, you were like, I went after it. Yeah. yeah. And, um, I had a great story with a fighter whose name I'm not going to name, but it was just happened last week. What's his last name? <laughs> But he was telling me that um, he had a tough fight. He's no longer with the UFC, but he had a tough fight that um, he was held down the entire time and beat on. And I remember that fight. I was watching this kid, and I was like, this kid won't give up. He will not give up. And he was ashamed of that when we were talking. He was saying, listen, you know, I had this experience, and it was awful. And, you know, and then other people were after like, oh, man, you got your ass kicked. I was furious. And usually I don't get furious. I was like, don't you ever let. That was one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen in my life. Why do people watch fights? Why did you watch gladiator fights? They can come up with all the crap they want. They watch it for inspiration. People watch a fight. If you want to talk evolutionary psychology, you can see the pecking order, yada, yada, yada. What they really, and that's why fans always get mad. They're really watching it for inspiration. I don't care that you lost. I could care less. And I don't care if other people are like, oh, you got your ass kicked. You didn't give up for one second. That should be the yeah. proudest moment of your life. That should be the absolute pinnacle of your life is that when this guy was on you, you didn't stop one second. Yeah. You never accepted it. You were like, oh, and if you got up and you had to do three more rounds, that's what the human spirit is. That should be the most important thing that ever happened to you. And then to hear it trivialized yeah. by people that don't know what a fight is, to hear it trivialized by these guys that are, even the media, it was a media guy that was really harping on him. And don't you let it happen. Not never. You take that memory and you switch it around because that should be, you should so be. So you didn't give up. Yeah. I, all be, and not, don't just give up. Like you, you fought back. Like yeah. you weren't just saying there like, I'm not going to accept it. You're like, I'm going to get up and I'm going to get up and I'm going to get up. And you just never stopped. And the, if you're not doing that, why are you alive? Just stop right now. Just cut it out. Stop right now. Stop wasting everybody's time if you're not going to fight because it's nothing but a fight here. Man. I loved it. And just to see that poor kid listening to these fans that don't know what they're talking about, these media people that don't know what they're talking about, it, it made me furious. Furious. Yeah. I sort of like when, when it's, it's two and a half rounds to nothing. You know? Right. And all that's left to know right now is this guy going to get tapped or is he not? 
and the guy almost knows it too and he's right. like I'm making it to the I'm end of that belt and that, that's something that is something that is to me what fighting is about is that spirit that, yeah. uh, that, that and I would I almost respect those guys more than somebody who's so athletic they never get to that point where you don't know you know what I mean like you're, they're so good they've never been pushed they don't know yeah. Like, I don't know what kind of guy that guy is, but I know what kind of guy that fighter was that had dinner with me that night, and I'll hang out with him any day of the week, and I'll corner him any day of the week. Wow. My friend Big Jay Okerson is a comedian. He always sees this clip on, on this, um, some sort of, like, black show. Maybe it was just a, maybe it was just, I, it might not have been, like, a TV show, but it might have just been a stand-up show on some, like, public access. Anyway, they start booing this guy. He's uh-huh. not good. Right. And black crowds just, they don't, they don't. Let They're you, going after the blood. Yeah, they don't go quiet. You know when you're not doing well. They're not like, oh, maybe people weren't paying attention. They're paying, they're booing. They're, they know what they're looking at. Right. But they start booing this guy, and he goes, y'all ain't going to run me out of here. You're not going to run me out of here. I'm Good doing my on. time. But then he goes, all right, all right, I'm out. I'm done. <laughs> like, you just came Wait up right a minute. You, you can't do that? Yeah. yeah. That's funny. But it's like, man, they beat you. That's what yeah. they beat you when, you when you give up. Right, right. And you know what? Like, it, It's sad to see, think in our culture, that that isn't appreciated. Like there's some things about our culture that I wish I could change. One is that I get a lot of grief for is I wish people were to take that inspiration from outthinking opponents. You know what I mean? Like not just standing there toe to toe, but actually saying this guy was tougher, stronger, faster. And I came up with a way to beat him Yeah, like that. Or just this guy does this really well. And I came up with a way to stay away from it. And I still won. Like, I, I really feel that one of the, the downsides to our culture is that that's not respected. Well, why don't you just get in there and hit him? Boring. Like that whole attitude to me is sad. I'm like, no, you should also, I don't have a problem with great fight where it's just like, oh my God, this guy not knocked down and that guy yeah. knocked down. But in addition to that, there's a lot of fights. You should have fights where, did you see how he outthought him? Did you see how Little when things. he wanted to get to the cage, he would always move away from the cage and then out kickbox. Yeah, a lot of people don't know that stuff. When right. Dan Henderson told me about the, told, he told everybody about Michael Bisping, where he said, "I keep, I kept throwing circles to his left," right. and then when he did, boom, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. I was yep. like, I didn't know that was coming. Right, I guess Rogan did. Oh, yeah, well, Joe's very yeah, educated. but like it'd be nice to understand it that much. But I mean, that's why it'd be educated. Like, don't watch baseball if you're not, or don't make comments. You can watch it, but don't go out and make comments if you don't know yeah. what batting is like you hit if you know the difference between hitting at the top of the bat or at the bottom of the bat and where that's going to send the ball yeah. like don't talk about this guy always hitting it towards first base you have no idea yeah you have no clue what you're talking about which is fine that's just most fighters talk. most fight fans don't though yeah and i'm hoping one. it gets more educated but that's always been it seems fun. like it has though i i think it has but that crowd when i was in the in the bare knuckle days when i started coaching and all those days it was that's get up and, coaching oh yeah, bare yeah. Knuckle yeah, yeah right after like the year after you because i'm young um but it was always get up and hit him. Get up and hit him. Huh? Why are you slugging each other, faggots? Get up and hit him. <laughs> and the, but that crowd's still there. It's just now Some the crowd, them. right? But the the sentiment's still there. But now they're more educated. Yeah. Now it's like, why are you running away? Oh, fucking guard. Right, idiot. you're a moron. Yeah. You always pass. But at least they know guard, and at least they know you should, in most cases, pass the guard. That's correct. But there's still that element. You there. know, I like when um, uh, what's the Korean zombie who who landed the uh, the twister. Yeah, it was yeah. Uh, one of my guys, Leonard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, you have yeah, him? Yeah, yeah, Leonard's my guy, yeah. No, no, not Zombie Leonard, yeah, yeah. The other guy. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, the guy that got uh, the wrestler. <laughs> Still two DT. great fights. Oh, yeah, it was, yeah. But yeah. Uh, when he started going for it, when I saw him do the... Uh-huh. the, the You're the, like, the, I know that, yeah. Yeah, you could hear like nine guys around the stadium go, oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah, he's <laughs> going, and, but that's cool. Coming. Right, and that's cool, and listen, education is the way to, to beat that, and hopefully, as, as the crowds get more and more educated, they're going to appreciate 
the strategy stuff. I don't, I'm not talking about lay and pray stuff. I'm talking about like shutting people down yeah. and, and finishing and winning fights, but doing it in a way that's cerebral and, and intelligent to I watch. I think it's beautiful sometimes, man. Because you, you're, you're absolutely not, right. When I saw Vitor get up against, I think, Anthony Johnson in Brazil, and he was, Anthony Johnson didn't make weight, so he's right. way heavier than him. Yeah, yeah. And he's lying on top of Vitor. Right. And that Brazilian crowd started chanting his name. Isn't that cool? And it stood them up. I yeah. it was like Hulkamania. Yeah. He fucking got Johnson off him and won that yeah. fight. And I was yeah. like tearing up. No, that's beautiful. But that's inspiration. That's why you watch yeah. those fights. And that's what I'm talking about, like the, the fighter that I was talking about earlier. That, that beauty, you have to start looking in smaller places, like a guy that's getting held down that won't stand up, like a, somebody that's controlling the octagon completely. Small like, moments. Small moments, because as you get more and more educated, it gets more and more beautiful. That's why I guess my argument against Twain is that the more you know about it, then you start seeing these small moments of inspiration everywhere and that's fascinating yeah do you take little pieces from a fight and say i like that all the time I, just, this Constantly. whole fight went wrong for this so, guy but that right right yeah I mean, especially with my guys we have uh, ars after action reports or debriefs a lot of times uh-huh. and a lot of times i'll do it the night of sometimes i wait depends on the fighter where i say okay here's what we needed to do differently and, and some people like immediately like gsp immediately wants it you go backstage why didn't i finish this guy why was this not here immediate stuff so or like uh cowboys like that too some people you need to give them time and when they come back to the gym they do it but either way tim kennedy loves it right then like okay what's our ar what's our after action report yeah right, let's see what we did wrong and what we did right and what we can improve on some comic told me early on that uh i don't remember his name something brown maybe but he was like, uh, how'd you do? I was like, ah, not that good. He goes, why? I'm like, I don't know. He goes, you should know why the minute you get off stage. You should know why brilliant. you didn't do well. That's brilliant. Yeah. I like that a lot. But there's another ubiquitous thing that that's, transcends no matter what you're doing. That's so cool. So yeah. Comics do that. Makes sense. Total sense. AAR is for comics. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. Do you, let me ask you a couple questions. What is like your version of bombing and killing? And what does it feel like afterwards? Uh, bombing, I guess, is is when nothing goes right and, and in the fight. So uh, killing is when it went exactly to game plan. Like when it goes exactly to game plan, and I don't even have to coach hardly. I'm like, yeah. I, I can literally go, keep your hands up, or I'll just get positive. You look amazing, because they do. I'm just mm-hmm. happy about being there, and I think my guy looks great. Uh, that, and then bombing is when nothing went, nothing goes right. Like, damn it, that didn't work. Damn it, that didn't work. And damn it, that didn't work. Man, this yeah. night is gonna suck. And then how do you? Yeah, how do you feel that night and the next day? And like, I, I feel terrible. I'm, I'm much harder on myself. Nobody sees it because I'm not the. You know, it, you draw attention to yourself if you're like, because it's that guy that lost. You know, poor yeah. guy. It's, it's him. It's he's in there. You have to be there for that guy. But when that's all clear, I'm hard on myself. I'm like, you moron. You didn't see that. Yeah. Oh my god. Uh, just, just, I'm hard on my. But I have to be because it's that same fire you were talking about. Yeah. Because if I was like, meh. You know, yeah, whatever. whatever. <laughs> we'll win them next week. God, it the, sucks so bad when right. everything goes wrong. Right. It sucks, and it should. And I will worry about right. myself when I didn't do the process correctly and I stop caring. That's when I know it's time for me to retire. Like when I really, really stop caring, not burnouts, because sometimes you're burned out and you're like, you can't care. Like, I'm not even awake right now. Why? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like right. Yeah, exactly. Like, I haven't slept in days because I've been in six different time zones or whatever. Um, I just, like, you, you literally can't. I mean, you care a little bit. But uh, but when you're really there and you really care and and you care about your guy and you let you let your fighter down, That's sometimes you, you get out. Yeah, sometimes you get outgunned. But for me, there's really no excuse because we've beaten people that are better skilled, bigger, stronger before. It's not like we haven't done yeah. on paper. We should have lost a hundred times and we won. So it's not impossible. There's a way. There's a way. Yeah. It's just you were too stupid to find it. 
And so, right, that, right, right. There's always a way. There's always a way. Yeah, and because what? That's the optimism, pessimist. There's, here's a great moment of my dad. My dad's one of those guys because he's an actual genius that like will destroy your whole world like with like a phrase. Two words. Yeah. yeah, and he did it to me one time. So I was studying pragmatism. Like pragmatism was my baby. I was studying Dewey. I was like, this is martial arts. It's pragmatic. It's this, that, and the other thing. So I tell my dad after a year, mind you, of studying, and this is a whole year, and I'm an intense guy, so I study. And I come up to dad, and I'm just, and I'm telling my dad how great pragmatism is, and da da da. And he goes, "Oh, that's great, son, but uh, the problem with being pragmatic is there's no room for optimism." And that was it. Oh. And I was like, "Well, son of a gun, because if you're pragmatic all the time, and you look at the paper, let's say Rashad Evans when he fought Chuck Liddell, when you look at that paper, Rashad Evans shoots, takes people down." Chuck never gets taken out, and that. he will knock you out. Yeah, like there's no way that. And and before that fight, people were coming up to me like I was putting Rashad to his death. They're like, pragmatic uh, approach would be don't take that fight. Right, right. But we have to like yeah. that. That fight needs to happen. So, uh, you're in the situation. Yeah. And I always say there's nothing after that. I came up with a saying: there's nothing worse in a fight than a goddamn realist. And what I mean by that is, like you just got to think you're going to win. Like, we came up with a plan. Mr. Wrinklejohn was like, we did overhand. He's there for it all day. Da, da, da. Like, we, as, a, as an aggregate group, like we all ought to do, came up with a plan, and we said, this, this, and this is how we're going to win this fight. And we mapped it out. Um, and it worked. But on paper, everybody else, like the reporters, were like, how can you let Rashad okay, Evans pause. even in the cage with this man? There's probably down, going to, there's no yeah, well, it's just like, he, he's probably going to die. Like, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, that was the sentiment of, in the media at that time. Oh, and a lot of times, and and so, but understanding the principles attack where they think they're stronger than you. There's a lot of stuff like that, but uh, um, that that's optimism. And and Jim Dudley of all people has this great scoreboard, and it's realist versus optimist, and it's a, a baseball scoreboard. Yeah. And every inning, the realists get one, the realists get two, optimist zero, optimist zero, optimist zero. At the end of 40. the score, yeah, yeah, it's a, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. At the end of the score, it's uh, realist zero, optimist one, because why. Because the optimists win the fight. Like the realists go in and they, and they win this round, win this round, win this round. It's like a, a guerrilla war. Like you keep losing every battle yeah. and then all of a sudden the U.S. is leaving and Vietnam is now communist. Right. Like, you know what I mean? Like they lost every battle. Like show me battles that the Viet Cong won. They didn't. They oh, would, wow. They would hit and run. They, every major battle in Vietnam, we smoked them. Yeah, but optimism can get you in trouble. At a Without point, a balance right? of realism, obviously. And, but what I'm talking about is the core of you. I'm not talking about like, I'm just going to run in and everything will work out fine. Right. That's, that's moron. Moronacy. Can I make up another word? Yeah, you can make up moronacy. Sure. That's actually a, probably a good word yeah. <laughs> to make up. There you go. But that's stupid because you not. But that should be in your training protocols. Underneath all of that, you should say, I'm going to win. How are you going to win? I have no idea. I'm going to train really hard, but but I'm going to win. And that's a yeah. fighter. So like, yeah, to like mesh them, two of them, the romance and the realism. Right. But at the core, and, and it's hard to understand unless you've been where your core is exposed. At your core, you have to get up again. You have to just be like, I- I'm going to win. Like, there's no way you're going to win. You keep losing. Yeah. Like, it's stupid. You're stupid. It's that false logic. And that's why thinkers make bad fighters a lot of times because all you have to do is this false logic where all I have to do is tap out and the pain stops. No, that's pain, what open mic comedy is. Right. The pain starts when you tap out. That's yeah. the difference. The pain, the uh, real yeah. pain starts. Well, yeah, that's yeah, just I physical pain. It. Yeah. That's when you can't live with yourself. Yeah. And Man, so that's. you start comedy, everyone's so bad, it's only L's the whole time you're just taking loss after loss right and you're only doing it because you need some validation or something right and you're getting the opposite of that every that time you go on stage that is fascinating really yeah. that is fascinating but then that optimist keeps you going on stage being right like, I know I can kill right and then eventually years later you start doing it 
That's it. And that's your core. See, at your core, you're a fighter. Yeah. Right? You're every bit of fire as any of these guys are. It's just that's your chosen media. Like when you go down swinging, making stuff dirty or whatever, or when you re- reintroduce something, else, like that's a fighter. Like you're every bit of fighter as, as those guys. It's just that's your media. You think those guys could put up with like half of these guys could do that, just get ridiculed time after time after time and stick with it and be like, nope, uh-uh. There's nothing worse in a fight than a damn realist that looks at it. Well, realistically, I'm not going to make any money from this. No, that's false logic. That's false logic. You will. Realism is false logic? No, it isn't. But it's false logic to give up. Right. Because realism, I mean, obviously, if you have the best intentions in the world, but you never work to improve yourself. Yeah, you need some sort of... You, you need, need to, a, some, you yeah. need to grow. There's a process. And that's what my Musashi called the way. That way is a process of getting better. Yeah. But I think that, that underneath that, you have to just be a stupid optimist. Yeah. yeah, you're probably right. And then how do you feel when you, like, after killing? Like, after, after that Keith Jardine, Chuck Liddell fight, where Chuck was, was still fight. at his prime. Yeah, it was a great fight. And um, the way Tate told me, because he was training with you guys then, mm-hmm. he was like, they didn't even, you didn't even work on um, shooting... Nope. And, and the ground game. Nope. You're like, you ain't going to get him down. Right. If you do, you know what you're doing. Yeah, it's fine. yeah, yeah. Yep, yep. But we're just, and you just leg kicked him to death and won this fight. There's no way Keith Jardine wins. Right. There's another one. Um, those, those moments are, are, like I was saying, how you would just a fight. Those are what you live for. And you know what's weird is? Yeah. It's short. For what me, do you mean? it's so short. What so so, so I am like. This, you have this awesome moment. Yes. That's great. We won. And then, I'll, like I said, the win is for him. Like Keith Jardine got in there. He was brave. And then I just want to do it again. Like it literally is maybe 15 oh. minutes of me going, that was awesome. Because where I love it isn't that moment. I love it. But my guy won. I love the process. Everything up until then. Getting there. Getting them ready. All of the steps. Da, 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 watching them grow. Watching them implement it. Knowing. But then it's almost a letdown. You're like, it's great for a little bit. And then I just want to do it again. Yeah. Then you're like, well, I'm not doing it now. Right. Because the process is mine. That's what's mine. That's what belongs to me is the process. That's what Hitchcock said that I will stand by is that he said that shooting the movie was the worst part for him. Uh-huh. But coming up with all the shots on paper. Right. Figuring out where the camera's going to go, so who's going to walk away. That was doing it because that's a creative process, mm-hmm. and I think that's what we're talking about. Is the, here is that is that creative process, and that is the fun part. Yeah. Execution's fun too because that's part of the creative process as well. So, what's your dinner like after you kill? After you fucking have a, like three upsets in a night and fucking perfectly train um, these guys? It depends. Sometimes I get. Uh, like there's when when I was coming under heavy fire for not finishing fights, and then we'd have like three people knock people out. Yeah, I would do a little. I I, I get petty and I'd be like, ha ha. Yeah. There you go. Can <laughs> it's guys chew on that? Yeah, chew on that. But mostly, and that's few and far between. Mostly, um, I. That's just ego, right? Right. It Getting is, and, and it's petty and it's wrong to me. Like, but I'm weak. You know, sometimes I'm I'm mm-hmm. weak and I fall into things that I shouldn't fall into. So going like, well, there you go. We just finished three fights that we never finished. You know, like that kind of yeah. that kind of thinking is outside the process. And but. I'm human and I make mistakes. Anywho, um, what usually I do is I try to take cues from like uh, military stuff. And that is, you know what? I did my job. And just do that? I did my job. Yep. And I'm like, I remember reading about my dad. My dad was a fantastic wrestler. Fantastic. And he took state in Illinois. And Illinois at that time especially was crazy. And he went undefeated. He took state. And when it said in the article, my dad never said this, but when it said in the articles, because there's a ton of articles about him, he was valedictorian the whole nine yards. It said he just got up the mat like off the mat like nothing, like it didn't matter to him, and and that's very my dad. He's very reserved, uh-huh. but I understand that now. Like when I was younger, I would be like, ah, you won state in Illinois, you beat these kids that were supposed to smoke you. Nobody knew who you were. You just came in and you dominated everybody. Yeah. I'd have been like, woohoo! Years later, I'm like, oh, 
He was like, yeah, I did it. Yeah. Because it wasn't too big in his mind. It was just what he had. It was his job. That's what and GSP when you make it big, seems. Oh, I'm sorry. That's what GSP seems like. Yeah. Yeah, I did. When you make it big in your mind, what? But then it becomes too big for you. If you make yeah. this mountain too big to climb, you'll never get there. But if you're like, oh, I, I climb a hill. That's what I do. That's my job. Yeah, I see that's, some fighters like that do that. But after, the, after they win, it's just like they shake the other guy's hands. Like, thanks for fighting. That's my uh, job. Now we'll, now we'll leave. And I, 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 that is, for me, that's the way. That's like when job. you talk to soldiers that are trying to kill other soldiers, those other soldiers are doing their job to try to kill me. They don't hate them. They'll oh, really? make fun of them, but they're, they're not going to hate them. They're like, God damn them. They're like, ah, oh, this so-and-so got up and tried to kill me, and I killed him. That's it. He was doing his job. I was doing my job. I'm better at my job than he is at his job. Yeah. And I try to emulate that because that's, that is the way. Yeah. I like that. I like that. Because the process is where you get excited. The training is where. Yeah. And when you're done and you've executed it right, you can pat yourself on the back a little bit like, oh, job well done. And then you move on. Yeah, I'm way more interested after I get off stage and people are like, hey, good job, good job. I like it, like you mm-hmm. said. It's of course, nice. You're human. It's like, thank you. But I kind of tune it out. I'm like, thank right. you. But my mind just shuts off while I say thanks. Right. But then if somebody's like, hey, do you ever think about doing this? Like we said, if somebody gives you a tagline or something, do you ever think about doing this? Then I'm like, wait, what are you talking about? And I'm way more interested. Right. It's like back to the process, I guess. Exactly. 100%. That's right. Because now that's something that. Where did I go wrong? Even if it was right. an A set, it could have been right. A plus. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But where. Right. Or, you know, you can. Somebody that I'm sure you get, and I get this too. Somebody that understands what they're looking at says, wow, the way you timed that joke oh, yeah. was brilliant. That you can be like, oh, thanks that, for I'm, noticing. Yeah, you're right. Thanks for noticing. I'm way more that into was, that. Right. Right. Because then you're like, thanks for. You know what? I, yeah. I put work into that. Yeah. Thanks for noticing those do you details. Always pause before you do this. Like, yeah, I didn't used to. And now right, I, then exactly. I can get into it. Because, but then again you're right back in the process just on the positive side yeah you're like oh the process the pro oh yes the process let's talk about the process shall we yeah but that's what makes you a great comedian because if you were just up there for that feeling how honestly how long does that feeling last yeah it's it's the process yeah i gave up on hollywood pretty pretty not pretty quickly but after like seven eight nine years of like not getting any sort of like auditions even for right the commercials were good but the rest right. was like uh uh-uh. then it was like well then why am i doing this Right. It better be just to become the best comic I can be. Absolutely. And that's probably the best thing that ever happened to you. Yeah, probably. You're Seriously, right. Seriously, because why are you going to be, you know what I mean? Like, I don't, people that are rich, that's great. I, I like that they get to fly around and do their stuff. But are you happy? I mean, are you happy? Yeah. Or do you still have your fire? Because if you don't have your fire, you might as well get as rich as you can, do as much drugs as you can, and then suicide it out right at the apex of the thing. Because you're just going to chase that little feeling if you don't have your fire every day of your life. Yeah. Just shoot yourself as as you do as many of the of whatever you want to do and drugs and then shoot yourself because you're just that's what's going to happen when you're old. Yeah. Man, don't lose your fire. Yeah, it sucks. A lot of people do though. You see it right constantly. But how can you not when you have so many factors going against you? When you have so many people it, on the positive or negative, you're a genius. Oh, you don't have to work. Take that fire away from you. Or also, if you're rich, how nothing. do you stop your rich people from from uh, losing their fire? I don't know. Do you, I'm not I mean, rich. Do you talk? No, not you, but like some of your fighters. Oh, fighters that rich. But see, that them to them, I, I think it's cursory. It's it's if you're, they're that good, yeah. They're usually the fire's usually still with them, pretty strong. Really? Um, usually because they're still young. But there's you know Buster I mean? Douglases, right? See, and I haven't I haven't seen that. I haven't been in that situation yet. Like where I have like okay. uh, you know a fighter that's a millionaire that's now 48. Like I haven't been there for that situation. But I think that right. with fighting, you have to to no. figure out different avenues because once you you do need to understand okay I'm 43 if I keep doing this I'm not going to be able to do anything I'm drinking out of a straw in five years yeah where else can I put this fire can I teach other people can oh. I, you know what I'm saying like you can you, transfer you can, right you've got to transfer but you can't lose your fire 
you can't lose it. Otherwise, it's all drugs and alcohol because you yeah. just, you just, you're trying to find it again and you don't have it in your Oh, uh, yeah. Well, that's what I meant. I mean, guys like John Jones would say, he'd be a good example. He hit really young. Yep. So, like, he could be a 30-year-old who, like, that is one of the and possible burns options. Out. No, him. and then that's absolutely right. But then I would encourage him to say, well, listen, what else do you want to do? And if it's only fighting, well, then how can we get as close to that as possible? Do you want to compete in other things? Do right. you want you know what I mean? Like you're you're a great athlete. Do you want to do other stuff? Do you want to teach people? You know what do you want to do? Every Israeli general, they make the head of the army, um, the armed forces there retire after four years, right? Because they're afraid of the army taking over, right? Um, Your army is incredible, so I would be afraid of that too. Yeah. Those guys are badasses. Yeah. He'd be more important than the president or the, yeah, the yeah, prime minister. Sure. Um, but all those guys become like. Heads of businesses that are super successful, right? Because they're just like, all right, I organized, you know, fights and battles and stuff. Now I'll just change that and organize this. Exactly. And if you can transfer your fire like that, I think that's one of the secrets to long, long happiness. But there's jobs like yours and mine that we never we can do this till we're dead meat. Yeah, lucky, right? Yeah, exactly. We're just lucky. Yeah, this pool players. There's yep. a few jobs. Yeah, really. a few you can go you got, way right. late. Yeah, right. Uh, how important is is setting a tone in fights? Very important. Like can first do, couple minutes. Can what? I do a quick bathroom break? Because oh, I have absolutely. energy stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I'll pause this anyway. All right. If you know the enemy and know yourself, you need not fear the result of a hundred battles. If you know yourself, but not the enemy, for every victory gained, you will also suffer a defeat. If you know neither the enemy nor yourself, you will succumb in every battle. Hey, while we're taking a bathroom break, what better time to tell you that you should buy my special, Passive Aggressive. It's out right now. If you go to chill.com slash Ari, or just go to AriTheGreat.com, there's a banner right at the top. You can pick it up right now for $4.99. I'm not asking for a handout. I'm saying pay five bucks and get something really funny for 72 minutes. You're going to be laughing hard for 72 minutes. Just go get it right now. That's what you should do. Like while we're on pause, just pause the podcast and pick it up. Do you realize? Do you see how I promote this way more than my sponsors? It's because this is my art. This is what we're talking about with Greg. This is what I do. So get it. I'm proud of it. AriTheGreat.com. There's a banner right on the top. Or chill.com slash Ari. Thank you. Now back to the podcast. Hence, to fight and conquer in all your battles is not supreme excellence. Supreme excellence consists in breaking the enemy's resistance without fighting. Uh, these are different than um, than uh, regular interviews, right? Right. Well, and plus, you 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 are you are like professional interviewers have to get something across to the the fans or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, what I mean, they have an agenda, and you're like, let's just talk about cool stuff. That's really. Uh, I really just as long as I'm growing. Yeah. Or getting yeah. some cool. No, and that's right. Like, and but uh, see, but that. Hopefully, you know, people will say, oh, Ari said this about comedy. And then you inspire somebody and there it goes. Yeah, it's awesome. I hope so. That's that awesome. That stuff is, to me is tertiary when people are like, you really inspired me from these podcasts. Right, like, right, right. Make me do this and this. I'm like, oh, okay, right. that's great. That's not why. <laughs> right, not why you're cool. doing it. Cool, I'm glad. But yeah, that's great though. Yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, that's, that's cool. Yeah. That's great. Making the world a better place. How, uh, how long have you been such a nice person? Uh, right up until 10 minutes ago, I was the biggest dick you've ever had. No. Um, I, I, I tried to make a con- – I've always been trying to be nice, but I made a conscious effort. You're an overly um, nice person. You know that. I don't know if I'm overly nice. I just try to be nice. Like okay. I, I don't know if it's over. It's just me. You know what I mean? I don't try yeah. to be something I'm not. I'm always this way. Uh, but um, I made a very conscious decision when I was pretty young, when I got out of kind of where, where I was not – 
I was being negative. Yeah. I want I didn't I didn't like myself and I didn't like what I was doing and and I I wanted to change it. I was like, yeah, you know what? I I want to be something different. I want to help people. I want to have this life that I think is going to be of some consequence because um when you die, you you know what I mean? Like that's it. So, so what are you going to do while you're here? And I'm genetically programmed or environmentally, definitely environmentally programmed to uh to try to help out and and to be a nice guy and so like that's cool if you're self-centered and all that stuff and i'm self-centered too i mean we're all humans but um i i try to try to find the way my way as much as i can you put my toilet seat down yeah after you peed you put both seats down i noticed that when i just went to pee yeah (laughs) i was like that's someone who goes out of their way to think right (laughs) instead of walking away it's not that it'd be bad to leave it up right no no yeah well you know you can thank my german mother for that seat Oh really? No. Put the seat down. I mean, yeah, no, just, teasing. Just, right. just teasing. If you listen to mom, just teasing. <laughs> so sorry. Please don't hit me anymore. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> the constant beatings. No. Yeah. Um, yeah. So how important is setting a tone? Because in comedy, it's that's what they always told me. Like early on, you got to let them know you're in charge. Yeah, absolutely, and that's fighting too, 100. percent That's what's so great is what comedy can teach me about fighting. Um, when you go out there, if you're like, well, you know, I, uh, you're you got to go out there and you got to own it. Even if yeah. you're going to see what the other guy is going to do, like you're a counterfighter, you're going to be like, all right, motherfucker, let's see what you're going to do. Or yeah. you're mine. Uh, you're mine. Uh, you're, you know what I mean? Like you just got to be, it's, it's a fight. You got to be in the fight. And, and, and it's not emotional. It's not like I hate you kind of a thing. It's just like, this is my job. My job is to win and dominate. Yeah. And, and, and you also want to fight your fight and they want right, to fight the exactly. other fight. And so that jockeying of position is very important. But setting a tone early on i think is one of the is one of the uh, handiest thing and you can see a tone change like you can get beaten down and the other guy gasses out and then all of a sudden the, the tone mm-hmm. changes the fight but that's what a lot of fans will judge things on is that visceral feeling is that that kind of oh i feel this guy taking over ah uh, you know mm-hmm. what i mean and, and you and they're not wrong you can you can feel you it you know it. what i mean you can sense it when 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 a comic is in charge and, and running things i don't know anything and i'm like this guy's good yeah and what i don't know you know where his pauses are and what he's waiting for but you can you just know quality when you see it um and and that's in fighting too if you can set that tone straight off like i'm gonna hit you with this jab and you can't do anything about it yeah People or changing it. depending on like if right. we're, we're both gassed it's right, two rounds right. in, we're both super gassed we got three rounds to go right but and we got to change this tone of what exactly. we're gonna do exactly and so yeah that is so so important but that's what's cool about that is that's what i look at everything everything you tell me about comedy i instantly yeah. go about fighting like how does that relate how does that relate how does that relate how does that relate and i learned so much i started from. doing the opposite way too yeah, you really, after we talked funny. about this yeah. i started looking at fights and like what can i take into my comedy for the that's same thing beautiful that, that yeah. we could do that is so cool it's pretty cool although don't get it mixed up and like kick the guy in the front row or anything that would be rough <laughs> you didn't I like that one that did you really he tackled somebody after no the story he was way. in the front row it was almost a joke he was just this guy Holtzman he's sort of crazy <laughs> this guy walked by in the front row to his chair and Holtzman just leaned over and just grabbed around this guy's shoulders and just fell and just took the sky now and I'm like what are you doing that's awesome <laughs> yeah. that is awesome yeah don't get it twisted I guess as they say but that's cool because that that is you're growing through a median that's outside of yours, mm-hmm. and because you're a beginner again at that, you can understand what's important to the fundamentals. Of yeah, there's universal truths, right? That you can like take and that's to whatever my life's journey. That's it, right there. That's what I live for. When I find those ubiquitous principles between any two arts, yeah. that's a rush that like that replaces the winning rush for me or whatever it is, because that lasts forever. That is months of that rush. I'm like. 
that's amazing. That's amazing. When I first studied quantum mechanics, yeah. I, it changed the whole way I looked at the world. Like, this couch is more space than matter? What? What? That doesn't make... And I would look at the ground, and I, I couldn't even get my head around how beautiful everything was again. It was like, yeah. wow, this, what? And then, it doesn't even make sense. I had two things in the same place. What's that? <laughs> no. No, but there it is. It's the most you know successful predictive theory ever, and like those beautiful moments where you're like, when you're a comic, you set a tone. When you're a fighter, you said it sounds stupid. Yeah, but it's not. But it's, it's cool. It's yeah. awesome. And then you have to change it sometimes too. If like if it's like if it just seems like oh you guys are tired and late night, let right. me let me sit on the stool. We, there's another path to victory right now. That's beautiful. And this original path that I thought wasn't it. Right. It's, it's not. Gonna come and that ability to adjust is so. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, and those are fun too. When you're like, "Oh, save my set there." It was going downhill, and I and saved you it. Saved it. That feeling of like, yeah, and, and that's so cool. Like, it, comedy is so amazing to me. It's so amazing. It's like magic. Like a good magician or a good yeah. comic, they they completely manipulate you, but in the best way possible. Because everybody's manipulating everything all the time, right? That's what we do. We manipulate our our, uh, our surroundings, but. To be manipulated into feeling that feeling is so positive. You're taking something that could be used for evil, so to speak, yeah. and you're making it this great thing where you laugh your ass off. And yeah. Next week, you remember it when something's bad, and you're like, ha ha, Ari said that. That was so funny. Now my life sucks a little less. Yeah, that's cool. If I can make people laugh, especially at things that they don't want, the material they don't want to laugh at, oh, it's this man. thing I'm saying you would disagree with. But if the way I'm saying it gets you to laugh and, and say, oh, I get what you're saying then. Right. That's communication. It's yeah. so brilliant. And that's the depth. And to me, what comedy is all about. Like for, and I love that feeling of when I laugh and, and it's smart and it's funny. And there's la- like any good art, like it's funny. And then you start looking deeper and you're like, oh, look at the way he timed that or look at the way he did that. And then it's even more funny because you're like, wow, that went some work. Yeah. Like a painting that uh, is like, oh, that's interesting. Oh, wait a minute. Oh, wait a minute. Like, I, that's incredible. Yeah. I saw, uh, yeah, exactly. When I started dating that artist, that's when I really I really took a leap up on my stand-up. We should give her a shout-out. Ashley McComber. Hi, Ash- Ashley. Good. Thanks for <laughs> helping Ashley Ari out. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, but she was always talking about what she wanted to express going into the painting. And, like, and I was like, yeah, I should think in those terms. I should think in more of those terms that she Absolutely. thinks in. Absolutely. You know, and sprinkle and it up grew. with color, and that's my one-liners. So she'd be like, have a bright splash of color here or there, like to stop you from getting bored. That's it. That's it. That's that's so fun, and the people are really understanding that now. Like Hofstetter gave a good speech on it. Like uh, John Cleese. Like people are understanding that process now. It's an actual psychological process, and you need to pay attention to it. It's not just something like, oh, it's what I do. You need yeah. to pay attention to the parameters and make sure that you're growing and and. That, and not just that's hoping. right, right, and it's different paths for different people, you know. And everybody has their own way of doing it. But as long as you're getting like there, you probably apply these things to anything. Yeah, right. To right. any endeavor in life, being a lawyer, whatever. That's what, and Musashi said it the best: to know one way is to know always. Oh, really? And so what he's that's what he to said: know one so, way is to know always. Right, I like that. Right, because there's a way to do things, and there's a way to grow, and a way to get better. A process. And and that's what's hard about see like again so much of this stuff has been thought of before but we have this this cultural I think I was talking to you about it I don't remember if we had this conversation or not but we had this cultural differences between Eastern and Western philosophy and and a lot of that is language the semantics and the way that we express and view things are different mm-hmm. and a lot culture. of it's experience and the one I always use is learn and forget because it's a very easy example learn and forget like we were talking about the other day. what does that mean learn and forget that's stupid. Yeah, like if yeah, you're telling we a Westerner, learn and forget. <laughs> but what they're talking about is when you walk to a door, right? When you put one foot in front of the other, you don't think about one foot going in the other. You know how to walk. You You've forgotten all it. about it. You just do it. 
And so stuff like that can be when you're trying to like, what does this mean, man? What is it? Yeah. What does he mean? Learn and then forget. Like it makes no logical sense. It's it's an eddy, but they're talking about the actual process of not having to think about it because it's so ingrained in you. Because you learn so much. But just explaining it like that, put translated from the Eastern to the Western. Now, that's how we think. We're based in this logical Greek system where you got to spell it out. St- yeah, you got to spell it out in a way that makes sense to me. Yeah. And so that that trans a lot of these concepts have been around for a while, but they're kind of coded and and people they're like, oh, I figured it all out. They're full of shit because if they can't explain it to you in then a westernized system, then you haven't figured it out. Or I you realized that when out I was community. little, when somebody said asked about, about democracy or something in like a school function, right? And then somebody's like raised their hand, they knew what it was, and the teacher was like, say what it is. He goes, well, I can't really explain it, but it's you know, it's like voting. Right, and right. Like, no, you don't really know right, what it is. Right, right, Then exactly, and that's it. And uh, the great, the 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 thing about the martial arts and where we went wrong for so many years before um, the Gracies did the UFC thing and really uh, did it on a national scale or, or I should say international scale challenge matches and stuff where you had to fight and it had to work or it didn't. Yeah, was that we all got clouded in this like this kind of weird as like, well, I don't understand it, but it means something, but I don't understand it. And and as an instructor, you could hide behind that. Well, my student, the fly with four wings moves. You're like, well, but it means You're something. Still not explaining it, right? Exactly. This means, but right. And the same thing with technique. And that's why the, there's a wholesale rejection of martial arts these days by MMA fighters, is because of that there was a lot of people that hid behind. Oh yes, I'm a great fighter. But they're yeah. egomaniacs, right? They're the this way is of that. the right way. Right, right, right. And you still see it in the old school today, where they're like. I'm a great fighter. Well, okay. No, it's you're Bruce not. Bruce Lee, like you can never beat a Japanese right. person. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like it. What? Like yeah. You know what I mean? Like. <laughs> what, yeah. Yeah. Real. Like stop. Um, the, and so they they hid behind that a lot, and and so you can't hide anymore. Like that's the great thing about the UFC. You can't hide anymore. Now there's still yeah. techniques that we don't use, and believe me, I train in self defense stuff. I work with law enforcement and military all day. There's techniques, but if you can't even do it with a one-on-one fight in these parameters, if you don't even understand that, there's no way you understand eye gouges. There's no understanding of oh, biting right. or groin shots. Like, you don't even understand how the, the majority, you don't know how to grapple. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah. So, the, 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 the stuff is there. It's just, we had a couple of generations of egomaniacs that kind of destroyed it for Holding a lot of people. It. Yeah. And hiding behind it. And just, you know, I mean, every movie. You see, they were talking about that, that video of some old, like, master saying that my stuff will, will always work and his, his, his students always fly away from him. Oh, he, yeah, and then the guy just beats the tar out. guy just yeah. fucking body But that's right, that, but that's, that's it. I mean, that's a representative of, of that paradigm shift between um, what, what has been and what is. Yeah. Um, I have a couple other questions, but this is fucking fun as shit, man. Yeah, I'm having a blast. Uh, do you believe in rituals at all? Yes. Do you get, you get superstitious? Yeah, but rituals are what they are. I don't think rituals, um, you know invoke a you know zeus or anything like that but rituals are anchors they're psychological anchors to make you comfortable so in the cage you have to have it's a very scary place here's a extremely well-trained human being the one percent of the one percent of the one percent and he's going to try to knock your head off that's scary like holy crap and there is a million people around you judging you so you have these two very elements that can be very scary i want to feel at home there i want to feel comfortable there i want to feel like this is where I live. And, and there's a great, I saw it in a comic book movie and it was one of the greatest, I see movies and I'm like, that's the perfect thing for fighting. Yeah. I saw a movie called The Zero Effect once and he gave the best speech about fighting that I've ever heard in my life 
but he's like a Sherlock Holmes character. But this particular one, uh, it was the, um, oh, now I forgot. Watchmen? Matchmen? Watchmen. The Watchmen. Watchmen. Yeah. Okay, so in the superhero movie, he's like, he's in prison and he goes, you guys don't understand. I'm not locked in here with you. You're locked in here with me. Mm. And just that, that shift of attitude of being comfortable in there, like, I don't care how many of them there are, you are. Like, you're the ones in trouble. That, that shift of attitude is so important, uh, I think. And so having a ritual gets you there. It's an anchor. It's getting you comfortable. It's like, okay, here's what I do in this situation, and there's my house. There's where I live. And when you go home, you get home, you're Mr. Rogers. You take off your shoes. You do whatever you want to do, yada, yada, yeah. yada. But you're comfortable. That's Ritual is, is just giving you comfort. So I'm all about ritual. If it makes you comfort. Is that why you guys tweak their nipples and stuff? Yeah, well, that, that was part of, like, yeah, that yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that was just to annoy me. That's my theory on that. But uh, <laughs> no, it wasn't. But, uh, you know, there's, the fighters are always looking for new things to try and do that. So, but in a way, it is because that ritual, that gets you comfortable. And yeah. I use numbers to do it. We use visual stuff to do it. Like, you know, here's a logo that you're going to see. Um, here's a counting method. I, I do it a lot in between rounds when you hear me go back to breathing. Well, we do what's called simulations where you're doing a bunch of different exercises. But in between each round, yeah. I take you in the corner and we do exactly what we're going to do in the fight. Everything's the same. I give you, you one mean? or two things to work on. Okay. I make you breathe. I make you calm your heart rate to under 170. And you're, you're just, that's what you do every time. So in between rounds, they're like, oh, I'm here every week. Oh, I'm breathing again. Like a, right, right. Like so it seems like another day. day in the office because that's how it has to seem because if you make the mountain too big in your mind, you can never climb it. Yeah. And so making it a hill again, you're like, yeah, I run over hills. That's what I do. Oh, here we are again. No big if you deal. you can root yourself probably in like some normal things. Basketball players right. do that for foul shots. The same like three dribbles and I spin it once and one more dribble and then I'm and ready then to shoot. Exactly. And it's not about this works. It's about this is just what I always do. Right. It makes you comfortable. Yeah. And that's what it is. It's just getting comfortable because when you, it's that, it's that layers of bad stuff to unpredictability. It's, you know what I mean? Is there any straight superstition that you, do, you guys do? The sure different fighters, fighters do. do Absolutely. It. Everybody's different in their thing. For me, it's not because me, it's, I'm very, um, like Pure this is my job. Like- right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, not even just that. It's just, this is my job. All like right. I, I, my, my, uh, my feeling is is in the preparation. Yeah. Like that's where I feel comfortable. And I are we prepared? If we're not prepared, I'm like, oh, we're gonna have a rough night. And if we are prepared, then you know we're we're gonna be good to go. Yeah. Do you ever take any? Uh, if you don't want to talk about this, it's fine. But do you ever take any like psychedelics or? Oh no, no, I don't do drugs at all. At all. Not because I think I'm better than people that do or stuff, but I never have. It's because I know I couldn't handle it. I'm an incredibly addictive How do you know personality. You handle it because I'm incredibly addictive personality, like okay. addictive. Like I play video games. And it's bad news. Right. Like I'm like, oh, I just I when I get into something, I go. And I have a wife and two kids and tons of fighters, and I will get so self centered. I'll be like, wow, you never believe what I figured out on this stuff. See you later, boys. I got to do it Let's again. Do it again. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's a process, and I'm on it. And it, it would it would pull me away. I can't drink either because really? I w- if I drank, I would drink. If the thing I about mushrooms drink. is they don't work except every once every month. <laughs> well, so if you, you go. if you take them like a week later, a day later, it's not going to have the same effect on you. I can't even afford once a month at this point. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it, it's, it's dead serious where, and the other thing is everybody has their path to clarity. And for mm-hmm. me, I want my path to clarity to be pure logic and pure. Yeah. I, I don't want to have to rely on something else except caffeine to keep me awake because I'm in yeah. time zone to time zone. But uh, I don't want to have to rely on anything for my clarity. I want it to be myself. No, uh, no extra chemicals, mm-hmm. and, and that's. I get what you're saying. Mushrooms have helped me, just those particularly have helped me think outside myself. That's beautiful. So I can be like, oh, I see what I'm doing there. Right, mm-hmm. and, and listen, if that's your path to clarity, God dang, do it, do it as much as you can. But I don't, 
I don't if think you have that would be personality, my dad. You got to be careful. Oh, definitely. and uh, yeah. Have you ever drank or no, anything? Never. never. I knew early on that I would it would be bad, and and a lot of it. My early exposure because I was raised where I was raised. I would go to my my friend's house or whatever, and I would see like the the other side of alcoholism and heroin use and stuff like that. And for me, that that was the end game. Oh, right. Like, and it's not. It isn't. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, just because you do mushrooms doesn't mean like in a week I'm going to find you you know strung out in the bathroom. Like, that's unrealistic. But as a kid, yeah. That's what I saw. I saw OD'd people in the That's how I am with cocaine. Right. I mean, I I have enough friends at this point to do it casually. Right. That it's not the, you'll overdose and lose your house and your wife and your kids. Right, right. But I'm still shell-shocked from my public speakers at my my grade school. Right, well, that's it. Doing community service. Well, for me, it was, I mean, you'd walk in the room and there it was. You know what I mean? So, like, it was, it was, it affected me. Yeah, I didn't have to see it. Yeah, (laughs) and and it affected me, like, when people would come, like, dads would come home drunk and just beat the dog shit out of their kids and stuff. And I'm, you know, right there going, like, holy gee, because my family, I I grew up in an an environment, but my family was very good. And so when I'm, you know, you're a nine-year-old little white kid. And that's happening next to you where you're like, oh, my God. Yeah. Like, what is going on? They're just oh, wow. drunk in the middle of the day, beating the dog shit out of your friend. Like, that's what alcoholism was God. to me. That's what alcohol was to me. That's what drug was to me, was seeing that stuff. We grew up and we had tons of heroin users uh, on the other side of our, our house. And then we, my brother would find the little needles that they would throw over the fence all oh, the time. Really? Yeah. Like, that's where I grew up. Like, it's <laughs> That's a, little... a crazy type of Easter. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Think of all the heroin needles. <laughs> <laughs> I never thought about it, but yeah, there you go. What's this? Does this have candy in it? Right? But I mean, that's... A little bit, sort of. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, candy, all right. Um, but like that, that was... And so that was my relationship to drugs early on. And I knew I didn't want... And I was never going to be that guy that beat up on that little kid. I was yeah. never going to be that guy that was just strong. Like, never. Right. That was never going to be me. And and that's affected me that's fair and you go the, you keep it the, away from all, you yeah you and, and I also know that I'm so addictive like yeah. I, I am very my wife will be the first to tell you I'm very intense and I'm very uh, yeah when I get onto something I'm like you're on it I fall in love with it this is the greatest thing ever like quantum mechanics have you read this oh my god <laughs> and then I go like, I talk to professors and, and my poor long suffering wife is like that's great honey oh yeah perfect. <laughs> I don't care about this new thing that you care yeah, about yeah right and I'm into it and then I you know and, and and then I don't fade. That's the other thing. It's like I'm still trying to read quantum again. Like, really? It's annoying. Yeah. And some girl tried to get me onto it once, and I could not. Right. But that's, you know, it's, it's how you come sometimes. at it. It's how you come at it. It's that, it's that language thing. If somebody said comedy is like Heisenberg's uncertainty principle, and here's why, and you'd be like, what the? Yeah. That worked for you. You know what I mean? You're like, oh, cow, it is cool. Yeah, it's maybe all, it's I could get approach. it that way. If, yeah, if some girl's like trying to impress you, like, Ari. A lot of it's, it's pro- you see some movie, if you happen to be flipping at late night and uh-huh. you're just in a good mood with a friend, you're like, this movie was really good. And then you tell somebody else and they seek it out like they're not in the right. Same yeah, setting. it's not the right time for that clarity. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. You want them to appreciate it on the same level you appreciate it on. And it falls flat. It's always frustrating, isn't it? Very. I'm like, yeah, it was okay. I'm like, what do you mean it was what just you, okay? Are you looking at this? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So you have that personality the way I do, where you're excited and you want to share that and get them yeah. excited too. That's why I can't do drugs. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you can't do. You guys have got to try drugs. Yeah. Have you have you already oh, tried so mushrooms? You're like, yeah, I did mushrooms. Like, no, I don't think you understand. Have you tried? Mushrooms. I, saw, I saw Rogan telling Goldberg about kids when he had his first kid. Uh-huh. And he goes, dude, it's like you don't understand. It's, it's all you think about is this, this 
this thing, this person. Right. And right. Goldberg's like, yeah, 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 I got four kids. I know. Right, yeah. He goes, yeah. no, you don't get it, man. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. you just, that's, you don't think about anything else and you want to die for them. And Goldberg's right. like, yeah, I get it, right. man. Yeah. I've done the same four thing. Four times over, yeah. I know yeah. it's new for you. Right, exactly, exactly. Which is cool. I love yeah. passion. Any passion in any form is, is cool as long as you're not doing tons of damage. Yeah, you're right. Do you ever see, um, like when I see a stage that I haven't taken yet, mm-hmm. I get sort of antsy, like, I want to get up there. Like whenever yeah. I go to the comedy cellar, I finally get up there. But like, so I want to. Do you ever see fighters and stuff and go like? We always go to the cage. We, yep, absolutely. Oh, I want to train you. Yeah, like you're like. What's your stage? Uh, the, the, the octagon. We go. Okay. The, we get to the thing. Like in a few hours, we will get to the thing and we go with the octagon and you bounce around it a little bit and you look out at the chairs and it's just getting cuts a ritual. You just get comfortable. Okay. Sometimes the night before, you'll go in and you run through and you pretend like you're walking out and you're just getting comfortable. You're saying, "Oh, I've done this before. I did this last night." Okay. It's the same thing. Now I just got to go beat somebody up. But, but I've done this. I've done this. Courage is only doing it before, as they say. And, and oh, I've so done your this. stages are the actual the actual stages. stage instead yeah, of that's instead of like fight. Right. The, the, the fighter you're trying to improve. Right. And if okay. you know, it depends on where you know what I mean. Like just thinking that way helps out a lot. If you're a self defense person and you're in a parking lot, I always look for parking curbs. Because if I'm going to fight somebody, I love tripping people backwards over that parking over curb. one of those. So when I go over, I say, oh, I couldn't get people over this curb. Just walking cursory. I just, just in my head. <laughs> uh, because if, I, if you run somebody backwards, you can always make them trip. Like, there's usually two in a row. They always fall down. Yeah. Always. So it's just like a go-to thing. Oh, if they so, miss the first one, yeah. Right, yeah. Because they're going, tut, 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 tut. Yeah. So if you really blitz hard on them, especially if there's more than one of them, uh, they, you'll always have that one. So anyway, just thinking about your environment and getting comfortable with it is very important. If you're military, you want to, you're going to do room clearances. You need to make sure that you're going to do different kinds of rooms. And yeah, just getting comfortable where you are. Do you ever see fighters that you don't uh, train and be like, oh, I want you? Like, I, I, no. I see potential in you that I could bring out. No, because I, I, for me, that's insulting to the coaches that they have. Like, I could do that better. So I never think that yeah. way. I'm always like, oh, wow, that guy's like, I'm a huge Anderson Silva fan. Love the way, but I love him. I mean, obviously, the way he processes emotion is incredible, but I love him for doing things like punching people in the thigh. Yeah. Like that one fight where he's just like, mm, whack. He just punching. I was like, he's just punching people in the thigh now. <laughs> Nobody does that. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's different. It's new. It's interesting. And the fans are all like, oh my God, boo. But for a guy that watches it every week, not for entertainment, but for structure, yeah. I'm like, wow, that, that was really cool. Like, ever, who even defends against that? Yeah. Do you ever talk to other trainers and say, um, have you ever considered telling him to do this? No, this? because Never. for me, that's disrespectful because yeah. the other trainers that I have, it's, it's, it's different in that I'm not in collaboration with those other trainers. The ones on my team, I do all the time. Right. If, you know, if it's Mr. Winklejohn and I'll say, Hey, what about throwing a left hook? And Winkle will be like, yeah, but then this, then oh yeah, I didn't think about oh. that. So it's very collaborative there. But if you can't like, have the same let's say, with- right with Bob cook, I'm like, Hey Bob, have you ever had your guy doing that? Because that's insulting to Bob Cook's skill. And I would never do that because I hold him in the highest esteem. So, but there's a way to do that in terms of just, talking about it too right not like for said, us because not for it, because it's combat it's so much more intimate and I, I always say there's a line between combat being the bottom line but it's not chess like chess you can get up and, and you can say you know this that and the other thing and oh I did this that that there there's, there's a different code that, that you have when you're actually dealing with combat and that's the culture and, and it's there for a reason because respect everything's about respect and fighting yeah it's and a so, lot of respect exactly shit. that's why they're there Everybody yeah. there. That's why they're there. Just and so you have to be, yeah, in that context, in that culture, you have to be sensitive to what those people are hold you're, important. You're disrespecting me by telling me how to do my business. Right, right. And I would feel the same way if somebody came up. Now, if I like somebody like Bob came up, I would, I, because I'd love him and I've known him for years, or Javier or anybody I, I, um, that, 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 even people that I didn't know well, like uh, Duke Rufus, if he came up and he said, hey, have you ever tried a high kick? For me, myself, I'd be like, oh, I never thought of that. Thanks, Duke. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, even though I don't know him that well. 
because I know who he is. But yeah. uh, for me, it's it, it, I feel wrong about doing that. Like I don't say this is your fighter, yeah. and I think you should do this differently. I won't give people taglines. I want people to say you should say this joke like this, or you should say this. But I'll just give them like avenues to think down. I think that's great because you guys have that culture where that's acceptable. Yeah. For me, you can do that as long as the coach is on your side. I feel like I would want like if I saw. Let's say I saw and Clay Guida's the nicest guy, so he'd never do this. But like, let's say Clay Guida was just at the weigh-ins or something. He goes, "Dude, we're not fucking doing it that way," and just walked away. And some other fighter came, like some other fight coach came yeah. by and saw that. I, I would sort of want him to be like, you know, I've had this before, and sometimes I let them walk away for a while. Right, I, right. But see that you get real quick into condescending there, yeah, real quick, and that's what okay. they're sensitive to. You know, what I mean, everybody thinks that if you're doing that. Like, who the are you? Like, if they ask for it, uh, and a ton of coaches ask for it, that's different. Because we do have those conversations, but you can't volunteer it. Oh, right. Some people will say, Greg, I know you deal with a shit ton of fighters. Yeah. How do you do that? Yeah. And then it's okay to answer that question. But I never go up to somebody. I'm like, let me tell you how to do your job. Yeah. Because Some comics do it that way, too. Right. Right. But if they ask for it, we and and I am mentored to not just like uh, the, the UNM soccer coach. They have a great team. He asked me coaching. He's, he's a great coach. He asked me coaching advice really? all the time. Yeah. So soccer, completely different. Then but then you, but then you can do it, right? Then, yeah. it, then it's okay. But yeah, I, I wouldn't be so arrogant to be like, let me tell you, yeah. little buddy, how this works. No that way. does happen sometimes. We're like, here's how you should do this joke. And as right. soon as they use that language, you're yeah, like, I'm you're not like, going to listen yeah, to you. Yeah, right. Oh, really? Yeah, thank here's you. Here's how I should do something. Yeah. Like your mind just shuts off. Exactly. And you're like, fuck you. And so for our culture, it has to be asked for. And that, or otherwise, you're right into that language. Even if you're the nicest guy in the world, like, listen, I've felt what you feel, yada, yada, yada. It'll still come out as, let me tell you how to do this joke. That's yeah. what they're going to hear when, they, when the sound goes in their ears. Yeah. So, yeah. I just like, I really like helping younger comics when I see them frustrated or oh, something. I think that's great. And I just say, look, I've, there's been, your, your experience is not unique. Right. A lot of us have been there. Right. And you will get to this point. If this helps it will at happen. all. Right. Absolutely. See, and that stuff you can do. Like I can do that with probably really young coaches, but they'll ask anyway. Uh-huh. But I think that's great that you do that. And, and that is keeping the optimist alive. And that optimist that gets beaten down, and uh, they need to hear that stuff sometimes, especially yeah. at that level. You're like, oh, okay, here's a guy that I think is brilliant. And he's saying, you know what? I got my ass kicked too. But right. stick with it. I, you've got talent. Stick with it. It also comes, the problem is it comes from a place of you thinking that I know what I'm doing, which is like, you're, I'm already don't really feel that way. I don't, I don't know if it's, I mean, I, th- I think it'd be interpreted that way, but for, yeah. especially for somebody like you, if it's genuine, like, man, I know what that's like. I'm going to reach out to this other human and I'm going to say, right, right. dude, been there and I turned out all right. You know what I mean? Like, it, that's important. Yeah. That's mentorship. Because you huge. could say that as, if you see somebody's iPhone, and be like, do you know how to change this so you can see percentage of battery? Right, right, exactly. line? Yeah, 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 Like, exactly. you won't feel like you're t- condescending there. Right, exactly. You're just trying to help somebody out. And so, yeah. it, a, lot, a lot of it comes from your intention. Like, are you going in there just to be like, I'm the man, let me tell you, little oh, partner. Oh, yeah. Or are you like, oh, man, I went through that too. And I get a lot of coaches asking me that, like high level coaches, right. High level coaches saying, man, does this ever happen to you? Do you get blamed for this, that, and the other thing? And I'm like, hell yeah, I do. Uh It sucks. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I can see that too. (laughs) Um, Do fighters ever surprise you? All the time. All the time. Mostly. They do stuff that they're like, oh, I didn't think you were capable. Yeah. All the time. I'm not like shocked, like my jaw dropping shock, but I'm like, whoa, did you see that? Clay Guida is a great example of of a guy that like he, 
he practices at one level yeah and he fights at another level and on paper he should always lose like these guys are phenomenal yeah. and he steps up and and if he doesn't win it's damn close his losses and so i've been most impressed with clay guida i love that guy to death yeah but to see what he can do against guys that are more technical than he is that uh, he's so, just when he lost that was it nick diaz no who no, did he fight uh, the, at the palms where he pretty much led with is the right before you started managing him because I remember you walked uh, by his mother and she says, I want you to, I want you to um, take, take him on and you go after this fight because he's fighting somebody I'm cornered. Oh, uh, was it Kenny Florian maybe? Mm-hmm. I don't remember. It wasn't Nick Diaz. It wasn't Nick Diaz. It definitely wouldn't have been Nick Diaz. It was some fucking killer. Uh-huh. Did he lose it or did he win Mexican. it? He lost it, but he, he pretty much led the first fight. He led with his face the whole time. Right, right. Yeah, he and then he so. managed to, and then somebody went for a submission attempt from the bottom on him uh-huh. and I think that's what lost him a decision. Right, right, right. Um, I don't remember, but I yeah, do. Fuck. I do know that like he he. But it was like, how do you come back in this fight right. and get a split decision loss as opposed to just getting knocked out at the end of the first? Right, right, yeah. No, and the, and so Clay Guida is uh, so much about him impresses me, and that's one of the big things it does is he he really he fights at a whole another level. He's game day all the way, and I'll be yeah. with a guy like that. I'd rather have there's gym warriors that kill everybody yeah, at the so gym, is, and when the light goes on, they die. They can't. So how is a guy like Clay Guida in the gym? Uh, he does well, a lot yeah. better now. But you know, he he'll lose a lot. Like he, these guys will tap him out and submit him and beat him down and hit him and drop him. Yeah. And then like he just keeps getting stronger as camp goes on. And then something about when it's time to go, a light goes off. On a fight light day. goes off, and he gets his brother Jay, who I adore, slaps yeah. him around a little bit, and then it's <laughs> on. Slaps him in the face. Yeah, so and then cool. it's on. And and I love that about. Like I would rather go and be in the foxhole with that kind of guy than the super technical guy that can tell you all the stuff. And then as soon as the lights on, they wilt. You know what I mean? Like, oh yeah, that, Diego Sanchez. That's, that's what it was. Oh, was it Diego? Oh, yeah, because yeah. it was Di- yeah Diego. I trained, although he wasn't with me at that time. Um, but yeah, that that makes sense. Yeah, man, he is. It's cool to see the light go on like that. Yeah, yeah, he's he's uh, he's amazing, and and so there are fighters like that that always that I'm like, holy cow, did you see that? Yeah. And I'm always just proud. I'm just proud to know him. So that they can do that. Yeah, like that. that's amazing what that guy did. I, I, they inspire me all the time. The fighters, they, you know, what they can do, and especially the ones that have a harder time with it. You know, that that are afraid and and work around that that fear. And those yeah. are the guys that guys that are coming in like psychopaths and stuff. That like you know the the two percenters that are like, Man, I'm not really that nervous. I love doing this. I'm like, okay, well, that's fine. <laughs> but there's nothing about that I admire other than your brain is pre-wired to be good at this. Okay, but that's not the process. The process should be I'm scared out of my mind. Here's how I overcome it. Over, yeah. I'm, right. You know what I mean? That's what makes you. Grow as a person a psychopath is going to be the same from the beginning they and not like in a negative way but from the minute they step in they're not growing they might get better at what they do but they're not growing and right. so that would be a hard way to live for me man that's cool yeah i i really enjoy the process and just looking back at yourself in two years and be like i'm so much better than i was that's cool you ever think of writing a book or anything i've written two already on technique oh, um, really? but uh, yeah i want to do one uh one Sorry. big Oh, who cares? Oh, that doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah, no, it's not a big deal. What are they? Uh, they're the, the stand-up game and the ground game, and so it's it's it's, it's a basic books, and it's almost for just so people understand this is what you should be looking for. Yeah, you know, and and it helps out hopefully fighters as well, but it's very basic stuff. Um, and then I'm going to do a big strategy book when I figure out all these ubiquitous principles as many as I can. Yeah, you should. Then like, that's that's my that's my goal for the end game is I want to do a big probably when I'm probably about another 15 years so when I'm about 50 early 50s I think I should have a pretty good handle on it unless I'm still as dumb as I am right now? now 38. Okay, that's all. So, yeah, so right around there I'm thinking mid 50s or so and then I'll write the book on yeah because like these principles can follow through to other. Everything. If I do it right, if I do it right, then you should read that book and be a stand-up comic and go, 
Oh. Like everybody's talking about fighting. Right. And, see, and here it is here because they're going to be these ubiquitous principles that tie art, not just strategy because I'm going to do a strategy section, but it should tie anytime that you're in the creative process of creating art mm-hmm. that we've evolved, that should lock things together for you. That should be like, oh, here's what I'm not doing. Here's I'm burned yeah. out. Why am I burned out? I'm not controlling the parameters around the 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 experience that I need to go through to be creative. Yeah. You know? And there'll obviously be some things that won't apply to whatever um, right. or, job somebody has or whatever right. passion they have. Right. Weight cutting won't really help. But right, the right. idea to but, get you down, like what can make you well, do the weight well, cutting. Well, right. And, and that book's not going to be anything. I mean, I might do a coaching book, but that book won't even have weight cutting in it. It's just going to be principles. It's okay. just going to be this principle, that principle, timing, rhythm, oh, wow. uh, uh, distance, whatever it may be. You know what I mean? They're just. I'm just going through these. If you are an artist, this is what you should And those become universal for. truths. Right. Exactly. You know about Baha'i, the Baha'i yeah. faith? Yeah, the Baha'i temples and stuff. And they've the just taken of, all yeah, the... It's mixed martial faith, yeah. Yeah, they say, like, what are commonalities in all religions? Don't right. kill is something that seems to be in right. every religion. So that right. must be God's word. Yep. Yeah. Uh, don't eat non-kosher. That's only in one right, or two. Right, right, right. No, absolutely. So that might be made up later. They have a beautiful temple, temple in Evanston. Uh, really? In Chicago, yeah. They've got some really nice... Where you're like, wow. Yeah, it's nice looking. Doing, yeah, they're doing they some good work They have one in Tanya in Israel. They have, they have yeah. a whole... Place and I was yeah. like, wow, why are they here? Like, because there's like 19 religions who are fighting over this, <laughs> these odd. cities in here. Yeah, it's like, there's like, gotta, really, be, there's gotta yeah. be something. <laughs> right? <laughs> um, very nice. What's the worst tattoo in MMA? Ooh. There's some so shitty ones, aren't there? Yeah. What do you tell your guys? <laughs> guys, what are you doing? No, usually it's not. It's horrible. I, I don't know because it's so relative. I'm, I'm not partial to like the, the, uh, the kind of kill them all tattoos like the the uh like so, some people hate the cage tattoo like they'll be like cage tattooed on them like the oh, actual fencing yeah uh-huh. um and i don't really care about that to me it's like the hyper aggressive like um you know yeah like you kill them all or whatever i'm like eh. like, yeah, it, like kill them all or yeah that's like when you're 17 that's pretty cool like yeah, rock and roll baby but like you've grown professional maybe not um so I don't know. I honestly, they all, so many people have tattoos now that I stopped looking like they just all blur together and they're so detailed that I would have to like awkwardly stop the person and be like, can I look at your sleeve for half an hour? Oh yeah. You know what I mean? Because they're so, let's take a sleeve. There's so much going on in that sleeve that it has to be like an art museum. Like I have to sit in front of that painting and I have to be, really take it in. Okay. Right. Because otherwise it's like this. I see the two things coming together and like, right, right. Otherwise you're like, oh yeah, they're just moving their arms. Right. It's it's complete. It's art. that's completely, it's there all the time and therefore invisible. Yeah. I feel like it used to be like a badass symbol of getting a tattoo right. and now every housewife has one. Yeah, it, it really is. I Yeah, it now you have to rebel by not getting a tattoo. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like or getting those big ear separators, right. earrings that, that's right. like... It's all peacocking, right? It's like, look at me, look at me, yeah. look at me, look at me and that's fine but... Uh, um, like tattoos that mean something and it can be explained, I really like. Like uh, my friend Dave, who's a, he's a, a Zen monk at, uh, at uh, Talsahar in, in San Francisco. Uh, he has like tattoos that all have meaning. Like this tattoo reminds me of my fire that's burning. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so like that's cool. Like I can see that kind of stuff. I have this one here on my side. It says "Keep on trucking." Yeah, it's buddy. Remind me not to stop trucking. That's a really good, especially when you're laying on your side, because <laughs> that's when you can go. I was just drunk and I felt like getting something. Really? That's awesome. Uh, and I had a girl once ask me if it said keep on fucking. <laughs> At, but it was like we woke up the next day and she goes, I'm sorry, I got to ask you. Does your tattoo say keep on fucking? <laughs> and I was like, no, but if it did, why would you have had sex with me? Right, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's odd. That. Right, yeah. Um, that would have been great if you had said yes. Yeah. 
this was awesome, man. I can't think of any other questions. Do you think see any other things that you can think of, like oh, similarities? No. Well, that yeah, you but we want probably, to say specifically. No, I mean they're everywhere. So I mean we could be here all day looking at music or I mean because that's a great thing is you can take any one. And you just little keep thing. going. I saw Rogan do this once before I knew him. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I was working the cover booth at the comedy store. And it was just some night where everybody was not doing that well. Right. Crowds take on a personality. Mm, interesting, really. Yeah, they'll take on one form. So it's almost like an opponent. Right. Um, interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. I don't know why. I guess it's just percentage. But if there's 100 people, you might get 60 that are conservative. And then right. the next night, you might get 50 Orthodox Jewish people. Right, right. You never it know what the It just changes mix. the feel of each crowd. And they all sort of, it doesn't become like sectioned off where it's like this section is laughing. Right. Those 10 people are not. These five people are. They affect each other. Yeah, they all affect, right. So it becomes a unit. It's an aggregate. Right, okay. And so this crowd wasn't a good crowd. They uh-huh. just weren't a laughing crowd. Right. And so every comic was going up and putting B minuses up. Right. Uh, right. Really good comics. Yeah. Ralphie May and John Caponera and all these like really comics were like not good. And then Rogan went on. They did about two minutes. And you see him get this of not that good, just like right. uh, yeah, because the other comics also aren't watching, so they don't know it's a shitty crowd. Right, right. All they do is afterwards go, "Was there a shitty crowd for you?" Yeah, just yeah, make sure, yeah, like, yeah. Like, bomb. was I sucking or yeah, yeah right? Uh-huh. And I see Rogan get this look of like, "I'm not taking this," that kind of him. look. And yeah. then he just, you see him pull back, and he went overboard with like more energy, and he fucking killed them. Really, he that's killed because Rogan's a fighter. Yeah, I love that. And from then on, it was like a year into comedy. From then on, I was like, oh, that means there's a way that every, a, a comma could kill tonight, right? So you can't just be like the shitty crowd. Right. There's a way to do this. I love that. No I, matter I how bad that. they are, right? Exactly. Well, Rogan's a warrior. You know what yeah. I mean? And that, and he came at it like that was his fight. But that's how you got to come at it. I think. Yeah, and that's and not awesome. give up and switch tone of like, oh, just have a nice set. It's like, oh, that's not going to work here. Oh yeah, you want to play? All right, let's play. I yeah. love that feeling. Like I love that feeling. That's one of the I think the addictive things about being in a fight and being well competently well trained is like. That feeling of, oh, yeah, you want to go? Let's go, motherfucker. And that's yeah. a beautiful feeling, especially then when you do turn it around and you smash somebody. And, oh, man, that's a, that's a high that's, that's when you're fighting yourself is hard yeah. to get around. It is pretty nice. especially I like it when I get a guy. Sometimes it's just sourpuss in the audience. Right. And they just they decide they don't like you. Right. It's usually a macho guy thing to do. Right. Um, oh, I'm above this pettiness. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember making a joke early on. I was trying to test a line of see how long after um, – the Newtown shootings, it would be acceptable. We appropriate, right? Yeah. And I knew it wasn't acceptable yet, but I threw a Gotta joke push. in there. Sure. And this guy got real mad at me. Uh-huh. He's from Vegas, actually, but he was at the comedy store. Uh-huh. Real angry at me. He's like, that's bullshit. And I'm like, okay, but at some point, it'll be okay to make those jokes. He goes, you're fucking wrong. It will never be okay to make those jokes. Right. And I was like, I can't. Like, I knew that I couldn't express to him now that I, I've been through this enough times with other shootings that right, it'll know, be okay. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then we kept going, and the comics were fucking around with me. It was one of those late-night fun sets. Right, right. And we started doing some fun jokes about the Holocaust. Right. And he started laughing. I was like, so it's okay to laugh about the Holocaust? You, nice. you see you now. Yep, chink in the armor. Maybe there'll see be a it. moment right, where yeah. you can laugh about atrocities. Right. Yeah. And he goes, yeah. yeah, right. And I was like, yes. Victory. I was able to explain to him. Right, right. And man, you ha- how do you deal with it if you can't laugh at something? You know what I mean? Like, how, like yeah. that makes sense. Like, to even get up there and be that emotional. Like, you're right. Yeah. And then my friend Benji finally made a good joke about it. He was the first one to do one. Really? He said, um, why don't these school shooters just target the retarded schools? <laughs> terrible. They'd have way less outrage. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is terrible. And then he started acting terrible. out the parents' outrage afterwards. Right. They'd be right. like, eh, it shouldn't have happened, you know, but... 
Uh, I'm pushing those boundaries. It's so fascinating. That is funny. That is you're gonna is funny. be right on the line. Right? So yeah. Much like uh, yeah. No. And and uh, you, we live in a great place where you can do that. And where it's awesome. legal. Where it's legal, and you won't get shot afterwards. Yeah. In most that's places. Cool. Yeah, you there are places you can't. So that's a great thing about America. Yeah. <laughs> America. Yeah. Um all right, cool man. Thanks. And oh, you know what you. another thing I really like? When I see a comic start to get better, I start to you know, like start yeah, to Yeah, we've seen them here. Yeah, yeah, Dude, yeah. Finding out that that was Isaac that I knew as Tate's friend who was just starting in the gym. Right, right. Fighting in the UFC. Today. Yeah, yeah, and beat Jay Z. I mean Jay Z yeah. he's a legend. That guy's amazing. Dude, that's Isaac, rad. Yeah. He didn't stop. He, he just kept going. He just kept going. Better. Yep. And and no matter what happens tonight, he's going to keep going. Like that's what yeah. I love about Isaac Valley Flag. Isaac Valley Flag doesn't need to be the greatest fighter of all time. I could care less. I've trained some of those guys. Isaac Valley Flag is a warrior. And when you're a warrior, and yeah. you're a, a warrior all the way, not just like oh I'll fight anybody because I can get drunken guys to do that right now. That's right. not a warrior to me. A warrior is life beat him down and he's just come on motherfucker, come on. Just keep he gets up get again. He gets up again and again and again and pushes. That's why yeah. Indiana Jones people love him. You know what I mean? Like there is an attitude of keeps getting come punched on. up and tied up. And, yeah, and yeah. Just, just I love that. Listen, I'll watch Indiana Jones right now. And when he when the music kicks, like when he's getting his ass handed to him, and you see the switch, like he keeps going. And yeah. some of it, like the brilliant thing about that. First movie is the the plane cuts up the, the big German boxer that's beating the, just the dog shit out of him. Uh-huh. I'd never seen that before. I you always see like Superman, and if he got beat down, you know he, you knew he was going to come he back. But like this dude was getting his ass handed to him realistically, like oh, like body shots, drop it and stuff. And the only He's thing that crushed. saved him is that the, but he just wouldn't stop. But like, by not giving up, right? It, that's what saved him. Is that like he was like okay, I'm gonna get up again. You know what I mean? Like you ever hear the story about the two frogs and, and the milk? Yes, the swimming, the swimming around one. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, exactly. One frog's like, dude, made, yeah, they can't get the out of their milk. Right, right, right. One frog's like, fuck it, dude. There's no way out. We just right. got to, we can't get out of here. We're in a bowl of milk. There's nothing to grab onto. Yep, I'm going down. Yeah, so he just sunk. And the other kept churning, and then he, he turned everything into butter, right? Right, and, and, and those stories are out. like silly in some ways, but like completely and universally true. I thought that was a real story. What are you, <laughs> what are you talking about, Greg Jackson? I was under the impression. You, you know that frogs have to have a degree before they make <laughs> butter, right? They just can't do that unless they went to school. That's how butter was invented, I right. thought. <laughs> Curdle, whatever happened to it. Uh, yeah, it's fucking rad to see guys like Isaac fucking That's move great. up. Yeah, and he's an awesome guy. So and then yeah. you get to fight in the UFC. That's like, right against Eves Edwards. He's a, he's a killer. He's yeah. awesome. You know what I mean? He's, he's great. And so yeah, just watching that growth—that's what I live for. Yeah, yeah, it's rad. Yeah, yep. Because if not, why are you drawing breath? If you really, if you're not doing something that's like and creative and cool, and it doesn't have to be anything world-beating, knit, knit a scarf or something. Why are you alive? Go do something. I had an acting teacher, D.W. Brown, say this about about um, your potential. Mm-hmm. He said he views it as an empty room. Like a room like this. Right. This is all your potential. Right. And some people have a way bigger room. Yeah. GSP's fighting potential. Mansion. Next to mine yeah, is probably yeah. a mansion. Right. But how much are you going to fill up that room? Right. With, with what you've learned and stuff. Yeah, exactly. Um, so if GSP never took any training, that mansion. Empty. Would be empty. Beautiful. What a great analogy. Yeah. That's so it's beautiful. just you just try to fill up to whatever percentage you can your own your own right. room. And that's the process. And that's yeah. that's what I live for. That's why I'm alive is for that process. And hopefully that process can help people too because I'm yeah. human and I want to help people. But absolutely. Helping people fill up their room is cool. The way I see it is like once you have your thing, that's your process. What My process is trying to write a joke. Right. Then the money is just like it'd be great if it came because of that. It's nice you get paid for that. But either right. way – the fulfillment's there. I don't know if you know many rich people, but they're only happy when they're talking about 
what they do with their money. Like yeah. there's still a process for them. They're yeah. not like, I'm the happiest when I'm sitting in the pool day after day after day after like they don't say that. Yeah. They say, Well, I invested a seven point three and a six point like that's where they talk right. about. You know what I mean? That's where building they're building businesses. Building whatever right. Joy. That's that's where they're happy. But it's great to spend a week lying by the pool, like mm-hmm. hot but then you're gonna it equally you know, if you get a bunch of money, pretty soon you're gonna go back to what you always felt. There's no happiness doesn't come like that because you're always you see people like if I only married this guy I'd be happy but then and for the first year you're happy because it then, covers up right then you just go back to where you were before if you don't change it from the inside and say yeah. I'm happy with what I got and if more comes hey that's great yeah um, you know obviously you need to eat and stuff there's there's, there's some your car breaks down but that's not overall right right like changing you your life doesn't always make you happy on the outside like getting money but changing it from the inside almost always does I think yeah I think you're right. All right, Rad man. Thanks um, for having me. You're welcome. Good luck tonight. I want to. I want you to write that book. It will be written. I don't know how well it'll be written, but I'll give them the, the old college tries. They say, even though I didn't yeah. go to college, you've done enough research on this stuff and just life research in general that you can make something really cool. I hope so because I, I feel like I'm so I'm still learning. Like I make mistakes still, and I go when I'm fit. Like and you read about people like uh, every all great strategists were their best in their fifties. Lincoln, uh, even people like uh, Genghis Khan. Like oh, they made all these mistakes when they were younger. Like my age, they're just screwing up all the mm-hmm. time. But in their mid fifties, they're like, aha, I yeah. got it. You know what I mean? And I, I think that's great. Hopefully, in my mid fifties, I'll be worth the shit yeah Great. so it seemed like randy got got as he lost his uh couture as he lost his physical skills uh-huh. his mental skills really went up, up so much and he's able to still win absolutely. absolutely and then he wasn't gonna fucking he wasn't gonna try to outbox chuck liddell anymore right he, he wouldn't make right. those mistakes at no, 41 yeah, exactly exactly and i think there's something to that i think that you as a strategist you grow with age because you understand more yeah it's weird though you come into your own past the level past the age range where it's like where sought athletics. after right yeah but I, I think that coaching though you can go way long you're right right well and there's long. I think you know and I don't know about comedy or, or other stuff but I know that there was a myth for physicists especially that you like get one good idea when you're young and then that's your idea and then like uh, then it's just a that's downward high slide from your mid-twenties like that's when you come up with you know uh, uh, you're, you're big you're, if you're Nash it's your equilibrium your Nash is equal whatever artists, all the musicians Right after thirty, they're not putting out the great works. Right, but for me, that's just because they got comfortable. Like they mm, yeah. got comfy with their thing, and and but I know plenty of examples. Einstein included is coming up with great stuff all the way till he's done. You know what I mean? Like cause yeah. he he went this way, he went that way. He's a quantum mechanic. He went. You know what I mean? Like he relative he, he stayed on the cutting edge. I have a great picture of him as an old man walking with Kurt Gardell through. Uh, it's right in my office through uh, in Princeton well, there. Trying to like you just, assume just thinking, just about, thinking about yeah, and you would love to hear what I mean. You couldn't under I couldn't understand a word. Yeah, but you would love to be in on that i would it, even if it's in german i would be like yeah buddy i'm walking next to him that's awesome dude i went to i took my friend to santa barbara to, to go to, he was a grad school um interview uh-huh. so he went off with his department and i just stood on campus santa barbara university or whatever it was for a while and i just overheard these two college kids talking uh-huh. about world dictators and which ones are the best ones the most biggest tyrant tyrants and right Oh, you like, did it, tyrant and tyrant. You yeah, it. just like me. <laughs> just, I was gonna go tyranny and I was like tyrants. No, that's wrong. That's wrong. Uh, we're making up words. Keep going. Sorry, <laughs> but uh, I was like, that's all. That, that's just the fact that they were just discussing, like academically, right? Yeah, stuff. I'm like, fuck yeah, that's I get so off cool. on that. Shit. Yeah, exactly. You're, you're working. You're processing, which yeah. is so. It's so cool. That's yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, good luck today, man. Thank you, sir. I do appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks. I'll tell you when this comes out and stuff. But thank you for doing it. No worries. Listen up and I'll tell a story About an artist growing old Some would try for fame and glory 
others aren't so bold. The artist walks alone. Welp, that's the episode, you guys. Welp, W-E-L-P, Welp. Um, wow, what a good one, right? Man, I love talking to Greg about that shit. It's sort of like I learned from him, too. When he'll, like, take that stuff and relate it to the fight game, I sort of use that um, a little bit. Not as much as he's doing, because I haven't really thought about it as much. But in somewhat, yeah, I can use that and take it back and put it right in my stand-up. And it really was. Dating that artist really did help my stand-up a shitload. Um, what a good episode. I always like talking to that guy. Whenever he starts talking about it and the differences between stand-up and, and fighting and, and other art forms, music... It's, it, man, it's interesting. And he's such a nice dude. Anyway, so that's the episode. Thank you, Greg Jackson. If you're wondering, uh, Isaac Valley Flag fought a very, very tough fight against Eve Edwards. Uh, he fought his ass off, and um, it went to a decision. And Isaac Valley Flag won the fight. He won his first UFC fight. Congratulations, man. That it was really touching. It was like I, I knew him fucking seven, eight, nine years ago and watched him train and get better. I mean, I didn't see all that, but to see him fight in the UFC. He was good friends with Tate, Tate Fletcher. That's who I met him through. And uh, wow, it was just really nice. Now I'll get to fight again in the UFC. I mean, that's the, that's the top level. That's the best you can do in the sport is to fight in that organization. And just that he did it was a win, but then to get a win on top of it, man... Uh, good for you, Isaac. Um, so, yeah, that's the episode. Don't forget to get my special, Passive Aggressive. If you go to chill.com slash Ari right now, or just go to my website. It's, it's at the top right, at the top of the page. Um, there's a big banner for it. Uh, and it'll take you right there and get my special. People are really liking it. Um, and just so you know, uh, those if you, if you do use my Amazon account or if you go to gamefly.com slash, man, I forgot what it is. Ari Shafir? I should find out. But it's on my website, too. If you sign up for a two-week free game tri- free Gamefly trial, um, they give me, like, 15 bucks. So all that money will pay for uh, me to move to New York, which is what I'm going to be doing in April. So thank you guys for to do who have already started using the Amazon and the Gamefly links. Um, I really do appreciate the Pro Flowers, too. Uh, but Valentine's Day is over, so I'm probably not going to mention that for a while. But, um... I did, by the way, get some for a girl for Valentine's Day. I was like, fuck it. And I used my uh, link. 65,955, 956 deaths. There's a uh, poster, a billboard in Santa Monica, or just outside Santa Monica, when you're leaving, um, right before Westwood Boulevard. And it just shows you the smoking deaths per year, and you can see it moving. So that that number that I just said was however many smoking deaths, 65,000 something. And it is now February, like, 26th. Um, I'm coming home from a show. Uh, I have, on my website, I will have links to uh, the books he mentioned that you can get on my Amazon. Um, go to Amazon. You can get one of those books if you want. Uh, man, am I, maybe I'll try to read it. That kind of reading is tough for me, but maybe I'll try. Um what was I going to say? Oh, I'm doing a couple shows I forgot to mention. Uh, for 420, my national holiday, I'm doing a show at 420 at the Parlor Live in or just outside Seattle. 
at this club called Polar Live. It is in, I forget what city it is, but that's going to be at 4.20 p.m. And then, because they're already booked at night, but then I'm going to Olympia, Washington, to do an 8 o'clock show at a dispensary up there, or sponsored by a dispensary up there. All the, the dates are on my website. You can find them there, aritagreat.com, and just go to dates. You can also get my 2013 tour shirts, a grinder, uh, my album, Passive... Not my album. Yeah, my album, uh, Revenge for the Holocaust. Or you can also get that when you get uh, the special. If you, if you buy, you can get a t-shirt. You can get bundled. They have these bundle deals where you can buy, like... And then you get the special for free. So I think the, the album is 15 bucks, and the special you get for free, and then it's free shipping. Wait a minute. We've got to be losing money on that. 15, that's how I'm selling the, the fucking CDs for, is 15 bucks. Or at least 10 plus 5 shipping. I gotta tell him to raise that. But until I do, because I'm so disorganized, uh, go there and get the album and the special, all different material. And by the way, now, if you see me live, I'm doing all different material than I was. So there'll be no repeats, unless somebody requests it and I go really long on some show. Um, some of it's good, 10 minutes of it's like sketchy, and then a couple bits were ready for the last year's, but just I didn't have time on, on Passive Aggressive to put it on. So some good stuff will be there too. Some really good stuff. So, that's it, right? Um, thank you, Greg Jackson, for talking to me. Uh, if you're in the Albuquerque or Santa Fe area, I forget which one he, he has his school in, uh, take classes with, uh, with Greg Jackson, and you can train alongside top-level fighters. Man, he, he has had, at points, he has had like three or four UFC champions, maybe three UFC champions at the same time. Why is that guy bright lighting me? I'm driving home right now, and this guy's bright lighting me behind me. Maybe he's just. Sometimes I think those fucking nobody's brighting you. Just, your do, do, do your headlights get out of like get off line where they just move up a little bit? It seems like that, right? There's some cars just like all the times. Yeah, he's not brighting me. He's just got his fucking headlights pointed up. Yeah, one's higher than the other. Uh, all right, you guys. So thank you very much for tuning in. Uh, I'll have those links, like I said, uh, on my website, ariShafir.com or AriTheGreat.com. Uh, oh, look at this old guy. He's crossing the street, and it's taking 10 minutes. <laughs> He's walking two lanes. Oh, it's going to suck when I get old. That's going to happen to me. That's going to happen to all of us. So on the way out, I'm going to play this song. Um, I figured I would get a uh, Johann Sebastian Bach song because uh, he mentioned it, Greg, in that book. But then I heard this uh, version of it that I really like, and so I'm going to play that. Um, it's a banjo version. I'll have the link on my website, but it brought me, uh, I don't know, I get too moody when I listen to music sometimes. So I, I sort of teared up. How much he cared about the fucking classics and he's playing banjo music? Fuck, I forgot his name. I forgot his name, but it's playing now. I'm recording this from the car. I have it in my house. But yeah, it was just a really good song, uh, and I liked it. So I played that version of a Bach song instead of the classical organ version. Thank you guys for tuning in. Please tell a friend about this. And if you listen to the special, Passive Aggressive, tell a friend about that. Just fucking mention it. Tell them how much you liked it and which bits you liked. Just tell them. Or play it for them if they're out at your place. I don't mind. Just play it for them. Um, all right. I'll talk to you guys later. Until next week. Oh, have a good week. And where else am I going to be in April? Somewhere else I forgot about. Oh, San Diego, the second weekend of April. I'll be the um, Thursday, Friday, Saturday about the American Comedy Club. 
That'll be the last date I do before I move to New York. I'm pretty positive. We're also recording those uh, This Is Not Happening Storyteller shows, and I'm going to do that on a Monday or Tuesday in late March or early April, so I'll keep you guys updated. But it's going to be like an all-star show, and we're going to tape it for Comedy Central Digital. And then they're going to release it story by story. So uh, come out for that when I announce it. But I haven't yet, so go fuck yourselves. Um, Goodbye. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you, Greg Jackson. In a few years, I don't think any anthropologist is going to be able to untangle the world's music. And maybe it's a good thing. I don't know. I don't know as I'd like to see everything mixed up. It's like putting curry on the pizza. But a lot of good things can be mixed. And I myself have to frankly say that I've picked up music from all kinds of places including my parents who are professional musicians and uh, my mother was a violinist here's a little piece that I used to admire for years Pete Seeger, I looked it up I did a Google search on best 50's banjo players never intended for the banjo Uh, it's Pete Seeger, look him up he's he's clearly got an amazing musical mind Sebastian, I hope you pardon me.